Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Hello, partygoers, and welcome to episode 53B of the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. My name is David Dedrick. And my name is Mary Dedrick. And Mary, why are we recording this very special episode of Sneaky Dragon? This is our uh, this is our early Thanksgiving episode Okay. Um, where we play spooky songs. That's right. We're celebrating American Thanksgiving by playing <laughs> Halloween songs. And a very confusing mixed-up thing that's all called biting off more than you can chew, yes. which is something that I like to do. Yeah. So what is it? Thanksgiving's next week. Remembrance Day was last week. Yeah. And we're talking about Halloween songs. <laughs> yes. So, so I don't know. <laughs> it was late anyway, uh, and then we made it later by by having way too long a show. So uh, I'm joking, of course, because this, this isn't a brand new show. It's merely us. Introing, introing, introducing, <laughs> introducing. We recorded a couple weeks ago, so yeah, I can't even remember what we talked about. To be honest with you, so I imagine it's hilarious. Oh, and, hopefully, uh, with lots of because there's songs. a lot of it. There's <laughs> a lot of it, yeah, and lots of great letters from from you, our, yes. our dear listeners. Yeah, this is our Halloween slash letters letters show. Yeah, and maybe that was where I bit off more than I. Maybe we could have split think, them into two. I think where you bit off more than you could chew was by having us play. Uh, 20 songs on a mix yeah and then also like 10 other songs yeah was yeah. a bit much because mm. since we usually play like 12 yeah songs per episode sure playing like 30 so, yeah. maybe not all right, the Mary. Best. Well, all right yeah. Mary. so it's all my fault yes i told you probably that through the show to shut up and uh, just don't say anything else and no you didn't listen well to me. that's not talking. true at all i actually said partway through the show this is going kind of long and you were like no no it's fine and i was like are you sure because we've been recording literally for an entire day <laughs> and i said i'm sure it'll 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 all uh it'll all, he, dad said it'll all work out once i add in a whole bunch of songs <laughs> that was like it'll all it'll get shorter once i add in 30 songs <laughs> you know what it didn't no i don't know funny. what i was thinking of I, my math was wrong there my yeah. math was completely mixed up yeah for some reason i thought i was sub subtracting 30 songs from the show right yeah and that was wrong but yeah. anyway so so he, anyway we'll, we'll take you back in time Back to a wonderful Halloween. How was your Halloween, by the way, Mary? Mine? Yeah. It was it was good. Okay. Mom's birthday is on Halloween, as That's you know. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. so it was nice. We had a nice dinner mm -hmm. with the family, a nice family dinner with just us. Yeah. Um We had some door knocking. Yeah, we had a little bit we had a few trick or treaters this year. Sure. Um and they got rewarded with a full size chocolate bar. Yes, they did, which I'm sure they enjoyed quite a bit. <laughs> uh and then we went to yeah. a concert that night. I, oh yeah, we did go to a concert that night to too. To a show to watch yeah. a, fr uh, a friend play and sing in a band. So that, yeah. there you go. So that was our that was our Halloween. Uh, that was a while ago. Mary has trouble remembering it because so much has happened since then. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's just go right to the show, Mary. And I, I have no idea how we're gonna go into it. This is not gonna be the smoothest um, transition transition in the world. Mm -hmm. So let's go there now. Yes. Okay. All right, Mary. Do you want to read the next letter? Uh, or a comment? Are we done? We just read Louise, episode 48. Are we done? Yep. This part? Yeah, a fun Mandarin in English part. Yeah, I read oh, that. Oh, I missed I don't know. I missed it. It's fine. Um, You're forgiven. All right. Our next comment is from Kanan Grawl. And Kanan says, 
In all the times you've spoken about Bell and Sebastian, I've never heard mention of the life per- the life pursuit, their most produced album at the height of their commercial popularity. And that's why. <laughs> at least in Australia they were. I just really like We Are the Sleepyheads because of the great electric guitar rift in it that reminds me of an upbeat mu- of oh of the upbeat music from the 80s Astro Boy cartoon. <laughs> Just like there's that one Vampire Weekend song that has the Masters Universe ah nostalgia. Also, have you seen God Help the Girl and it, is it any good? I saw Sunshine on Leaf. Leaf, yeah, Leaf. The Proclaimers movie and quite liked it. So I wondered if I should seek this one out too. I have not seen that film. Uh, I've never had the opportunity to see it. I've I guess is it Australian? God help the girl. No, it's a movie that was uh, kind of kickstarted by by Bell and Sebastian. They made oh, their own movie. Oh, right, 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 right. And yes. I really wanted to see it at the time. Yeah. But of course, it kind of faded out of my consciousness right, because as things do. it just wasn't wasn't available in some easy way for me to get it. I think you could buy it on DVD now. Oh, okay, cool. But um, yeah, I do have like the DVD, uh, their fans only DVD that came out. Just because I felt like it would probably disappear, and it's like a bunch of their early stuff has in- early interviews with the band and all their early videos. Uh, pre pre popularity, I guess, like pre uh, dear catastrophe waitress and stuff like that. The life pursuit, I think, is pretty good. I like Acts of the Apostle on there. I'm not a big fan of is it Funny Little Frog? Is that what the song's called? I like Funny Little Frog. I think it's okay. I like it. I just feel like that album is trying too hard to follow in the footsteps of Dear Catastrophe Waitress, which feels way more organic as a popular album. Because I think that 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 album they took like normal kind of Bell and Sebastian songs and subjects and made them into, and made them into, um, you know, kind of more popular song, like more popular sounding songs. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas a life pursuit feels like the songs are written with the idea of being popular songs. And also it feels like there's a change in the, in the, um, aesthetic of the band. Like up to that point, you know, the albums would usually feel, have like, weird kind of tableaus for the for the photographs and stuff but often they're like people reading books or like kind of a lot of like nerdy people doing things and that's what i that's what appealed to me about bell and sebastian and the stuff that comes after dear catastrophe waitress feels like it's all these really good looking people in weird kind of tableaus that that um that um the lead singer, what's his name again? Murdoch. Stuart Murdoch, yeah, thank you. Stuart Murdoch has has kind of orchestrated, and it just it just is not as appealing to me as the earlier stuff, where it feels like, you know, it's just kind of like kind of cool people, just kind of caught being cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. But cool in a in a in their own way, like not cool in a Forever Twenty One or you know shopping at those kind of stores. You know what I mean, Mary? Yeah. It's their own kind of aesthetic, you know, like a lot of scarves and cool horn room glasses and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then it all gets replaced by really like beautiful models wearing stewardess outfits and stuff like that. And you're just kind of like, Meh. yeah, it's okay, but I don't, I just can't, I can't dig it. So I'm not sure about God Help the Girl. That's what I'm trying to say is that it kind of came out at a time when I was sort of losing interest in the. I still buy all the Balance Sebastian albums because I'm a maniac, but well, yeah, we know that. I feel like each one is a, a slight shadow of of its of the preceding one, right? And um. Unlike, say, Dear Catastrophe Waitress, which would go on my uh, list of albums that are pr- uh, perfect songs all the way, t- you know, tip to tail. Every al- every, every album that's come out after that, um, I just feel like there's like one or two good songs on it. Maybe three good songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... I just can't follow them down the road pursuit, they're walking. I do love After the Apostles. Yeah. And Funny, Funny Little Frog. Little Frog. Yeah. But the other songs are okay. Yeah, they're just kind of okay. The Blues Are Still Blue is like okay. Yeah. 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 It's just like, it doesn't feel like they... 
we're ready for another album. That yeah. it's more about the production and the right. stuff around it. Was it. Like, oh, like well, you've been doing really good, so let's make another one. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we have to. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't percolate, and there wasn't, and for whatever reason, there wasn't the challenge within the band to like rise to to each other's occasion. You know, so when mm. when Stevie writes uh, books, then Stuart comes back with Roy Walker, right. and when and when Stevie writes. You know, another, you know, that's the song, you know, I'm just, they each, you know, yeah. there has to you know, stay loose. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where it felt like they're one-upping each other to, yeah. to get this yeah. really great album. And instead, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. What I'm saying is it's okay. Yeah. I remember being very disappointed by girls in these time just want to dance. Yeah. 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 It's not good. No. It has a couple good songs on it. But yeah, when I when I put that on, on into my music player. Your CD in the Volvo. Volvo. No, I just meant like when I put oh, it into like okay. when I put it into iTunes or whatever, right. or t- translate it and put it into Google Play, so it's available uh, to stream on my phone. I like I think I put two two or three songs okay. from the album. Yeah. Like normally I would just dump a whole Bell and Sebastian album on. Yeah. Like even uh, Fold Your Hands Child. Or Fold Your Hands Child. Oh, do you walk like, like a, a peasant? Yeah. Like I, I don't think that's a great Bell and Sebastian album. I think there's a lot of weak tracks. Yeah, but I still it's very like, early. But I still like dumped all the songs on yeah. on because even if they're weak, I still enjoy them. Yeah, you know, and they're, I don't. They're still very authentic. Yeah, and I don't mind yeah. hearing them in a mix of other songs. It doesn't it doesn't kill me. But that those later ones, I'm just not interested in in the whole albums yeah. at all. It's, it's uh, it doesn't get to me. All right, let uh, let Kanan go on. All right. Um, he says, well, I don't know if we need. <laughs> Why? Okay, he says. Also, this may seem like it doesn't have a point, but it does. But we recently got our mortgage recommencement letter in the mail, and they finished by saying our repayments would resume again soon, bi-weekly, meaning every two, you know, on an official letter from the bank. Just saying. Well, thank you, Kanan. I don't know about that. Anyway. That's, uh, that's, very, that's very nice. I like on. that a bank has officially backed up my neologism. <laughs> yeah, banks, the most trustworthy organizations <laughs> out there. <laughs> Lexicograph- lexicographically speaking, Mary, well. <laughs> they are very reliable. <laughs> All right. Um, and then he says, also, David, are you always listening to music? Like every spare moment? Are there any current artists you listen to? Or is your library big enough you feel you'll never need to add to it? Also, I like saying also. Thanks for the bi-weekly musical edutainment. Well, you're welcome, Kanan. Yeah, you're welcome, Kanan. And Mary, would you say that I'm always listening to music? Not always. No. But ever, always in the car, you're listening to music. That's true. And often when you're out here, you're listening to music, right? Yep. Um, and you're out here... Fairly regular. I am out here. Yep. Um. But yeah, not like all the time. And no, like when you're like no. washing dishes, you'll listen to podcasts. When you're like doing um chores around the house, like doing laundry or whatever, you mm-hmm. listen to podcasts yeah. more often than music. Yeah. Um, oh, when you're at the gym, you listen to music. Yes. You don't really listen to music at work, though, can you? No, I can't listen to music at work. You really. did at your old job. I listened more to talk radio. Oh, okay. The reason I like to listen to talk stuff while I'm working, like doing chores or whatever, yeah. is I don't care if I miss stuff in it interesting whereas if i listen to music i do care if i'm missing the music i'm the opposite so i will i don't like walking away from a song that i like yeah whereas i don't care if someone's talking about like sports talk radio if i'm listening to that when i used to listen to that at work yeah i didn't care if i like left the room or left the building and went to a different building to do do some work okay to collect whatever i need got some stock or whatever to bring Mm -hmm. back for shipping i didn't didn't bother me right but if i was listening to music i would be like oh i'm missing this song i love that's so i'm totally the opposite like Duncan will often will be listening to a podcast and he'll be like trying to in the car and he'll be trying to talk to me. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a podcast going on. I'm trying to listen to this. Excuse me. 
Like, I'm going to lose what they're, to track what they're talking about. If you, so I like pause it. You're like, okay, yes. Or like, well, if we're like doing like a house cleaning day or whatever, I'm yeah. like, okay, I'll put on a podcast. Sure. And I'm like, but if I'm down cleaning the bathroom, I can't listen to it. So when I come back, I'll have missed it. And I don't know what they're talking about anymore. Yeah. And then what's the point? Mm. So you mm. should just listen to my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, and uh, speaking of listening to music, I actually, this is not something I've, I did when I was younger, and I do kind of wish I had, because it would be such a fascinating uh, record to go through now. Mm-hmm. But I've been, I've making been a list. making a list. Checking I've been it twice. checking. I've been writing oh, no, down all the music I've been listening to the last nice. little while. So all your mojo stuff. No, this is just records. Oh, oh okay. So just records. So it starts with Steel Eye Span from uh, 1972. And it goes through, like, I've got Black Sabbath, all kinds of stuff in here. Uh, here's a little Partridge Family section. I was obviously listening to my Partridge Family records to go through and find yeah, songs obviously. that I liked. Uh, they should have a letter, like a letterboxed or a good read. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, no, yeah, I don't think they do. I Yeah, so it's got lots of stuff in here. And then there's very modern things. Because I do listen to new music. Um, I do listen to old music. I do listen to new music. I listen to, like, Curtis Counts, who uh, played trombone with Miles Davis. There's some jazz. Um, just turning, looking through, uh, I've got here some new stuff from 2020. There's, uh, Bridget Dawson in the Mother's Network, her album, Ballet of Apes. Mm-hmm. That's from this year. Caleb Landry Jones, the actor, put out an album called The Mother Stone. Is it good? It's okay. okay. It's a bit samey. The songs that oh, are, okay. the songs that are good and are good, but right. listen to the whole record, it's a bit too much the yeah. same sound. Um... Have yeah. you listened to the Ascension? The Ascension? I have not, because I keep wanting to listen to the CD, and I have not been. I've not been given back my car. Oh, you're driving the truck. Oh man, you do not want your car back. I went in there yesterday. <laughs> the whole back seat is full, seat to roof, <laughs> seat to ceiling. I think that's the why I've not full. been getting it back, because yeah, mom doesn't want to clean it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like last night we went to town. Should we take the Volvo? And she's like, oh, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's more probably more comfortable going the truck anyway. Yeah, I agree. The. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Kane. I don't know if you've been listening to listening party since it started, but uh, last the last January, I guess, for the first January show, I did a or sometime in January, I did a best like my top oh, best of the year, top ten songs or something like that of the year, yeah, of of the 2019. Yep. So I'm always listening to music. I, I, you know, the new White Demon album came out this year. They did an, they made a challenge with the sort of quarantine to record an album in three months, which mm, they did. Cool. That's been a lot of fun. Um, and then you also listen to, or you get um, Mojo Magazine and Uncut Magazine. That's r- right. Get... When they bothered to deliver them during this time period. Um, oops. Sorry. They, they when do... they bothered to deliver them during this time period, I will, uh, I will listen to, um, listen to their, their, uh, their yeah, they do, antho- they'll, they'll anthologize. Sometimes they do like the best of the month mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll do like more thematic ones. Yeah. Or they'll get like a artist to, um. They'll say like, oh, hey, give us your favorite songs or whatever. Give us the songs that you are liking right now or give us songs that you think fit this or whatever, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always listening. For instance- that's how you found Sophia and Stevens. <laughs> yes, that's that. true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I missed him the first time around. I missed him on an uncut uh, CD. There was a song from Michigan that did not impact me at all. Mm, that's fair. But Michigan then I, is not as impactful. Right? Yeah. Then I heard Jacksonville and I was like, boing. Yep. All right. So- um, so. Mary? Yes. Halloween song? Let's listen to a Halloween song. Let's say thank you to Kanan for that letter. Thanks, that was very Kanan. nice. And uh, I, I'm almost always... You know what? I'll tell you one other thing, though. I'll tell you one other secret, Mary. Is sometimes when I'm working in the shop, when I'm coloring or, or whatever, uh-huh. I will uh, just have pure silence. I will listen to nothing. I just, I, just like, I just like working in silence sometimes, too. That's fair. 
Because sometimes you just don't want constant chatter or okay. constant music playing. Sometimes it's nice to live in your in your head for a while. So, um, yeah, let's go to some Halloween music. This is a very Halloween-y song. Mary said the last one wasn't very Halloween-y, although it was about people eating each other in a mine, which I think is a pretty macabre story and could be a Halloween. I think I just missed the punchline there. I guess you did. Yeah. So let's listen to The Diamonds. Okay. The song is Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein, or Dracula. Here we go, everyone. So wait, are you sure this is a Halloween song? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I love to take my baby to a movie show So I can try to suit you while the lights are low But you won't curdle to a story of romance There's only one way I've got a chance It takes a Batman, Wolfman, Frankenstein or Dracula To put her in the mood for love It takes a cat, girl, dog, boy, preacher from the Black Lagoon To make her feel like making love It takes a monster from outer space To make my baby want my embrace And when I hold her, she's like her dreams If only she can hear somebody scream She doesn't go for parking down in Lover's Lane All right, we're back. Mary, what did you think of? Uh... I thought it was really fun. I like the story. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. The diamonds were a Canadian group. So this is our CanCon oh, for the episode. That's always nice to have. It came out of Mercury Records in, mm-hmm. in 1959, mm. backed with a song called "Walking the Stroll." Which, uh, unlike unlike the uh, A side, the B side was uh, co-written by one of the group members, Dave Somerville, with Mike Douglas, who was a singer at the time, an ex boxer, a singer, and who later became a talk show host, whose show I watched constantly as a young kid. Oh, like, really? For whatever reason, as a young as a young boy, I would I like watching Sesame Street and Electric Company, but also I loved watching talk shows for that time period. So I watched the Murph Griffin Show, the Dinah Shore Show, and the Mike Douglas Show, which were all afternoon talk shows. I was not allowed to see the Johnny Carson show because it was on too late at night, but mm. uh, I could watch those shows and I really love them. But yeah, yeah, let's say the Diamonds were a Canadian, uh, what were called a stand-up vocal quartet. So they weren't strictly a doo-wop group. And they did do the kind of icky thing that I think we could all kind of agree was not great, but where they would take songs by black artists mm-hmm. and re-record them for an audience who would go, oh, this is a song sung by white people. This is now an acceptable song. But at the same time, 
Most famously, they did Little Darlin'. But I have to tell you, even though the Gladiolus version of Little Darlin' is great, I I love the version by the Diamonds for whatever reason. I just think it's I think it's great. But uh, it could just be that I heard it a lot when I was growing up because my parents gave me a record when I was a kid of fifty songs that included the song Little Darlin'. Oh, okay. And for some bizarre re- reason, Hot Rod Lincoln by Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen that came out in 1972. But all the rest of the songs were from the 50s. Had the big bopper Chantilly Lace. Huh, weird. Yeah, it was it was a strange album. But I really liked it because I was a weird kid. True. You're a weird adult, so that tracks. <laughs> so I get the impossible task now Yay! of reading Chris Yay! Roberts' letter that Chris <laughs> was kind enough to write. In... And anyway, we'll, uh, he'll, explain, he'll explain it. This is from Chris Roberts. He says, Yet... Another captivating show, folks. I'm following Mary's lead and forsaking the letter C in all its unnecessary forms from now on. At first, I'll admit, I thought she was crazy, but now I'm convinced. And we should clarify that there is no letter C present in any of this letter. Yes. If you're interested in checking out what it looks like, you should go and <laughs> look at the episode for the comments for episode 48. Yeah. He says, some, some fab tunes this episode, as always. Field music was pretty cool. Didn't take to it at first, but the good old second listen test opened up its to charms. Charms? No, it has a T at the beginning. To charms. <laughs> Murray also voiced exactly my... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Having to read this is hard. Mary also voiced exactly my opinion of Elvis Costello. I've tried and tried to like him. Lord, how I've tried. But there is something about his voice, both... Hmm. Both the overall sound and the very affected, mannered way he sings that bugs me at a fundamental level. Also, way too many songs about nasty women who'd done him wrong. New Amsterdam, however, yeah, it's one of the good ones. I feel the same way about Elvis. Well, for one thing, uh, I enjoy angry songs. Okay. So I, I don't mind that. I like love songs, but I also enjoy angry songs. Yes. They both have a place in, in uh, music. So that does not bother me. And I like his mannered voice. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. I like his mannered voice. I like his mannered voice, the new wave mannered voice, and I like his later mannered voice. You and many people agree with you. You know what, guys? I'll tell you a little secret. All singers sing with a mannered voice. Yes. You just don't like that particular mannered voice. Yeah, that's what we're saying. The ballroom was great. It was really great. And Friends of Distinction, just fab. Like harpsichords and handclaps, pretty much, pretty much, and any song that includes the word groovy is likely to get my vote. Jason Faulkner's song was great, too. I'd have liked a simpler production, though, which surprised me as I really admire Nigel Godrich. I think you could have spelled Nigel Godrich's name just the way he, nope. he writes it. He changed his name on the uh, Chris no, changed no, his own name. Nigel Godrich. Oh, no, that's right. It has a C, C yeah. in it. Oh, darn it. <laughs> yeah. This is how people get banned from that <laughs> Facebook group I'm in. You post something without thinking and you include a C and you're banned. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you about the time that an admin or one of the moderators yeah. posted something with C in it accidentally and someone called them out and they were like, okay, you're an admin now and made them an admin and left the group? <laughs> wow. It's great. I always enjoy listening to Sloan with you two. On my own, I probably wouldn't have appreciated their qualities, but you're winning me over. Gene Clark, beautiful song and lovely. Stripped back arrangement with just voice and guitar. Greg Sage... Sounded so up himself, as we say over here. I just had to laugh. Sure thing, dude. Whatever you say. Yes, it's a self-dramatic song. It's a dramatic, you know, <laughs> it's full of that. But it's from its time period. You know, it's that, that punk urgency of the of that time. You really, people really, 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 really cared. Yeah. You know, and they wanted you to know how much they cared. And I'm saying cared with a C, by the way. I don't care what you two think. <laughs> 
Lullaby Baxter. Okay, first, what a cool name. Hadn't encountered her before. Loved her voice and delivery. Another beautiful arrangement and production, too. With the acidic lyric nicely offsetting the sweetness of the melody, highlighted the bye week for me. Thank you for using bye week. You may have... You may have caved into Mary's yeah. anti-sea nonsense, but bye week. But you've also caved into dad's bye week nonsense, so. <laughs> not, not nonsense. <laughs> Bell and Sebastian, I didn't think I was going to like this at first, but it really picked up after the fairly dull start. Nice closer. Thanks again, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. That's great. Okay. A fantastic letter, Chris. I don't think I've ever smiled so much while reading a letter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the uh this is a another Halloween song. This is the Five Blobs and the song The Blob from 1958. Here we go everyone. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. back mary yes do you have any blobular thoughts about this song uh, i thought it was kind of boring you thought it was kind of boring yeah <gasps> really i know i did i did that's strange it's i thought it was such an upbeat little mm, i thought it was really repetitive mm. um and i didn't really like the singing oh ah, okay um well the blob so you know just so you know mary was written by five blobs it was written for the teen horror film the blob oh, okay so there's a movie that came out called the blob it starred steve mcqueen and i think one of his first major roles in a movie 
Uh, and the f- move, the song was written by newcomer Burt Bacharach. Oh. And a veteran songwriter, Mac David. David was nominated for an Oscar for the song, for co-writing the song Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo for the Disney film Cinderella. Wow. Two very talented people yeah. who made a bit of a stinker, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> David was the older brother of Hal David. Oh. Who, is that how um, Burt Bacharach and Hal David met? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I guess they came together through that. So, uh, yeah. The, the sax part of the song was arranged to sound like the sax playing in the champs' recent big hit, Tequila. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was played by session man Paul Roberts. And the singer was a guy named Bernie Nee, whose name was spelt in publicity as N-E-E, but his actual name was K-N-E-E. And he was a New York session singer who was signed to Columbia. And he'd released a number of singles on the label, and none of them were a hit. And so he got the opportunity to sing this song with the understanding that he would not be credited for the performance. It would be credited to the five blobs as part of like the gag. And uh, so he agreed to work on the song. And his voice was multi-tracked, so he is the one singer. He just sings all the parts in the song. And when the song was a hit, it had a, it was a bit of a hit. Nee was frustrated at being given no credit. He took out an ad in the trade papers, which heralded, quote, a great new, this is blob, and that was crossed out, make that star on the horizon. Bernie Nee is the five blobs. The secret is out. And then he was immediately fired from Columbia. They, they let him go. <laughs> It's not super surprising. And his career never really recovered from that. He kind of went back into session work. So, yeah. Freedom of speech. (laughs) You signed a contract. (laughs) Freedom of speech means that you can say anything you want at any time without any repercussions. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. (laughs) All right, Mare. Well, let's move on to episode 49. Okay. And Louise writes again. Yes. So, Louise says... I liked the dreaminess of Gentleman by Boy and the country twang meets British pop sound of Golden Days by Belle Adair. That's funny because those are the two songs I thought people wouldn't like very much in that mix. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But I really loved Portobello Road with its vivid descriptions and the full orchestration with the harpsichord and trumpet flourishes. The bouncy sound and subject matter reminded me a lot of Penny Lane, so I checked to see which came first. According to Wikipedia... In October 1965, McCartney mentioned to an interviewer that he wanted to write a song about Penny Lane. Lennon had named Penny Lane in an unused lyric of In My Life. In September 1966, Cat Stevens' simple guitar and whistling version was B-side to his single I Love My Dog. In 1966, Penny Lane was recorded and released in February 1967. In 1967, Ellen Janov's Portobello Road was also released. So I'm wondering, A, if Paul McCartney heard Cat Stevens' song and was influenced to finally write Penny Lane, and B... If someone got the bright idea to emulate orchestration in a cover of Portobello Road. Okay, so this is a little bit of an unpacking job. But let first, Mary, let's uh-huh. listen to Cat Stevens' Portobello Road so people can... So this is from... This was the B-side. This was a B-side to Matthew and Son. But it also was on the 1967 album Matthew and Son. So let's give a listen to Portobello Road. This is Cat Stevens. Such a great voice. Getting hung up all day on smiles Walking down Portobello Road for miles Greeting strangers in Indian boots Jello ties and old brown suits Growing old is my only danger Cuckoo clocks and plastic socks Lampshades of old antique leather Nothing looks weird, not even a beard Or the boots made out of feathers Walking miles till I feel a broom beneath my feet 
on the pocket eyes have an old stuff full across the street nothing's the same if you see it again it'll be broken down to litter but when the clothes everyone knows that that dress will never fit her Plastic socks, lampshades of old antique leather. Nothing looks weird, not even a beard. Or the boots made out of feathers. I keep walking miles till I feel a broom beneath my feet. Or the hawking eyes of an old stuff will look across the street. Nothing's the same if you see it again. It'll be broken down to litter. Oh, and the clothes everyone knows That that dress will never fit her Getting hung up all day on the smile Walking down Portobello Road for miles Greeting strangers in Indian boots Jello ties, old brown suits Growing old is my only danger Right, and we're back. That was Cat Stevens singing Portobello Road, which we played the Ellen Janoff version mm-hmm. a little while ago. And now, to answer Louise's questions, Louise, what you need to do is go back and listen to the the um, Sgt. Pepper, completely Beatles, and I'll explain all about it. No, I'm just joking. So <laughs> now, please refer to this other three-hour let, podcast. Let me go. <laughs> let me go back through your letter here, just so I, I just want to look at the timeline again, because so all right now. Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields both kind of both kind of stem from John Lennon's song "In My Life," which was on Rubber Soul. As men. And now, in, did it, did you mention here? Yeah, in October 1965, McCartney mentioned in an interview that he wanted to write a song "Penny Lane." Lennon had named Penny Lane in an unused oh, lyric of "In My Life." That's right. So the idea, the original version of "In My Life," was basically a travelogue of Liverpool. Hmm. So if you look at the original lyrics for the song, um, Lennon mentions Strawberry Fields. He mentions. Penny Lane. He mentions all these other kind of very important landmarks of of Liverpool for him. And as he worked on the song, he kind of got rid of that element of it. But it's still kind of stuck in 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 McCartney's mind as a as a as a interesting song idea. So when they started working on Sgt. Pepper, the original idea of the album, they wanted to do a concept album first. Like that was kind of the main the main idea of the album. Um, Paul McCartney had heard Frank Zappa's album Freakout, and he took it as he took it as like a concept album. I don't think Zappa necessarily saw it that way, but McCartney did. He thought it was an album that was thematic and kind of had a flow through to it, and he wanted to take that and use it and and use it in, in, a, in on an album. And so the original idea of Sgt. Pepper was that it would be an album about their childhoods, and so and that kind of stemmed from a John Lennon writing Strawberry Fields forever. Strawberry Fields was a um, Salvation Army hospital slash orphanage that was near where he lived and so he used to walk by it all the time and look through the through the gates at its park and it had a playground and stuff like that in it for the the, the uh, occupants or the of the the inmates of the orphanage or hospital and so so he kind of incorporated that and then 
So Paul McCartney wrote Penny Lane, which was based on his memories of growing up in Liverpool. So I don't think he was necessarily influenced by the idea of Portobello Road, which is more of a song about the coolness of swinging London of that time period. So it's not based in memory, it's based in the, the reality that you could walk down Portobello Road in London and it was full of all these great market stalls that were selling all this cool stuff that was very hip and happening, like like Indian boots and things that, that you could dress up in and be a hippie. And so it's more about that element. It's more of a kind of a fashion song than it is a, a reminiscence, like what Paul McCartney was doing. Now, Penny Lane was recorded very early on in the beginnings of, 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 of Sgt. Pepper's. One of, no, it wasn't the first song recorded for it, but it was one of the early songs recorded for it. But what happened was that... Capitol Records in America re- really started to champ at the bit about about getting new singles, uh, like getting new stuff, like new 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 product out, because the Beatles were taking a long time working on on Sgt. Pepper. Like unlike say albums they recorded in a day, like Please Please Me and and Meet the Beatles, you know they were really taking a long time working over the material for for um, Sgt. Pepper. I mean the first song they started working to working on, which is which isn't unusual for them. The first song they started working on. On Revolver was uh, was um, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, which is so strange because it's obviously like the weirdest, most experimental song on the album, and it's so strange that it's the first one. But it's a real tone setter, and it was the same with Sgt. Pepper. The first song they started working for in Sgt. Pepper was A Day in the Life, and you know, which is a crazy, you know, brilliant song. But you know, it's it's so strange that one of the most daring songs of of the '60s was, was the first thing they started working on. So um, they had Starby Fields done, they had Penny Lane done, Capital wanted material, and so those songs, it was decided, would be taken off of the album, packaged together as a double A-sided single, and released. So, so that's what happened. So those songs, you know, I, uh, so in terms of, now when those songs came out, that was, and it was already sort of happening, there already was like West Coast, Sunshine Pop, and stuff like that was starting to develop. And so I think that, to me, Portobello Road, as performed by Ellen Janoff, draws more from the West Coast sounds that were happening, you know, with producers like Lenny, Lenny Warrenker and and uh, Kurt Betcher and Gary Usher and arrangers like Van Dyke Parks and people like that were already kind of creating this sound. And, you know, when the Beatles had this big hit with Penny Lane and, and Starby Fields, that immediately kind of kickstarted the... the and But obviously, Revolver was even before that, and that really kickstarted the, the psychedelic sounds that were we're going to follow in its steps. Like in a way, Portobello Road is performed by Cat Stevens is a little out of step with, with um, what was happening in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And Cat Stevens wouldn't really come into his own until the seventies in the singer songwriter era when he stripped back his sound and used, a, you know, and just kind of sang, you know, songs as a singer songwriter, kind of a, a quasi folk singer. Like his, his sixties pop stuff was more popular as performed by other people than by himself. Right. Like here comes my baby was a big hit for, I think for, was it not the fortunes? Was it the Mindbenders? But anyway, they you know people had a, a groovy kind of love and stuff like that. They you know these kind of songs were were popular for other groups, not necessarily for him. Like he came into his own in in the seventies, early seventies. So so yeah, it's hard. Like it's you know the way that music works is it works in a you know it works in a circle, right? Like yeah. the Beatles were inspired by America. The Beatles inspired America. America inspired the Beatles. The Beatles inspired America again, and it goes round and round, right? So the Beatles were great 
they were innovators, but they were also great synthesizers. And they would right. take sounds that they heard that were happening around them, and they incorporated it into their own sound and produced these brilliant versions of stuff that other people were doing as well. And they kind of living in a vacuum. And they kind of yeah, they weren't living in a vacuum, yeah. and they kind of set the pace as well. And so people would hear what they were doing, even though other people who are lesser known were doing it. When the Beatles did it, people would be like, "Oh, here's the next stage. This is what we need to do." Mm. So I don't know if that answers your question or if it is started talking too much. Mm, probably a bit of both. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let us listen to Bobby Please and the Pleasers. And the song is The Monster. <laughs> As I walked out of my laboratory door I saw the monster I created years before Y'all remember that horrible face He followed me at a deadly pace The chills ran up and down my spine No, no, Frankenstein! That monster tried to kill me once before on the head and bounce me on the floor I thought he died when my laboratory burned But I was wrong cause my monster has returned Chills ran up and down my spine No, no, Frankenstein! I was scared to death and nearly out of breath Running as fast as I could go Close behind, I was on his mind. Why did my feet move so slow? I felt his hand grab a hold of my coat. I heard it rip and he clutched for my throat. Why did I give him the strength of ten men? Is this the price I must pay for my sin? The chills ran up and down my spine. Now Frankenstein! Da will you be my Valentine? It's okay, so we're back, Mary, and what did you think of Bobby Please and the Pleasers, the monster? Which came out on Jamie Records, uh, it was a 45, backed with The Switch, which was a, a dance thing where you switched partners during the song. Okay. That came out in 1959. It was written cool. by Bobby Please. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was fun. Yes. I thought it was a silly story. Okay. And I liked the punchline. What was the punchline again? Wasn't the punchline that he was being chased by Frankenstein the whole time? Mm. But then at the end, he just wanted Sweetheart or whatever. Okay. He's like, can you my date? <laughs> Cool. What was the song called again, sir? It's called The Monster. The Monster. Did you read the last one from Louise with about Penny Lane and stuff like that? Yep. All right. Okay, so we have a letter from Chris Roberts. Uh, he says, first off, props to both of you for getting this episode out after all that lousy SD card decided to prank you. Yeah. That was bad. Your dedication to the cause of fine listening is hugely appreciated. See, Mary, that makes it all worthwhile, though, right? I'm glad because I... Felt like it wasn't as good a show. Hmm. But people don't know. Yeah, people don't know, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Chris goes on to say, Ah, Judy Sill, sigh. Such a special talent and one of the saddest stories in 20th century music. The two albums she put out in her lifetime are both wonderful, and I also love her great live set of BBC recordings. I have Dreams Come True on CD, but it's so heavily freighted with everything that was spiraling out of control towards the end of her life that I've only played it a couple of times. 
So it was lovely to hear I'm Over in a different context, and just enjoy the song for what it is. I wasn't aware of the Tommy Peltier recordings, so thank you for including, including them. Rarities rock. Pocket Socket, in particular, was a treat. Of the others, I thought Spiritualized had a great atmosphere, although, and this is true, I did fall asleep midway through the first listen. I enjoyed all the others, too. Even Felt had all the qualities I could ask for in one of Lawrence's compositions, i.e., it was short and an instrumental. Boom! I like Felt, and I'm not alone in that. You could add Boy to the list of great musicians that aren't on Spotify. I have something to say about this. Okay. Okay. Boy is not on Spotify, mm-hmm. but yeah. if you go on Spotify and search for that album, not for not for the album that... Um, not for Boy, but for the uh, Every Page You Turn? Yes. Every Page You Turn is on Spotify. It's misattributed. Oh. It is attributed to Boy, but a different Boy. I see. So it is on there. You can access it. You can access it. Yes. But you just have to be clever. But you just have to look up Boy, Every Page You Turn. It's listed there. Oh, okay. Um, so you can find that one album. I don't know about any others. I haven't searched for them. Yeah, I don't. I would, would, I would be surprised if the first one was available. Yeah. Hard to know, though. Uh, so there you go, Chris. Just uh, do a do a search for the band Boy, the different band Boy, not the band Boy we're talking about, but another band Boy, and then you'll get the U two album Boy, and you'll be like, not the U two album Boy, I meant. No, you're gonna have to look up Boy, Black Cat, and like search. And then they'll be like, do you mean the bo- the buoys? And you'll be like, no, not the buoys. I don't want to hear Timothy again. Um, if you're spelling it that way, yes, you're spelling it wrong <laughs> for this boy, not for that boy. He says that Boy was one of the three standout tracks that were new to me on this excellent list, along with Bel Adair and Masters of Reality. And here's a first. You've got me liking Jefferson Airplane. My older sister had the Volunteers LP, and I gave it a play or two when I, when, I used, when I used to dig into her collection in my teens. But I came away with the impression that the band were pretty third rate, and I haven't really bothered with, it, with them since. However, Dave's context around We Can Be Together really illuminated the song for me. And now I agree... It's fantastic. Nice work, Mr. D. Well, you're welcome. Let me just turn the page so that I get to the next page and not to the page after it. The Mylanta story was fascinating. I hadn't heard about folks being so straight-laced they wouldn't even say chimney because the second syllable sounded like a body part. I guess they wouldn't have appreciated the English comedian Tony Hancock for body parts. Oh, Mylanta. <laughs> That's very good. Okay, now we're going to hear another Halloween song. And this song falls squarely under the words novelty music, unlike the rest of the songs in this mix, which none of them fall under, this, under that rubric. This one definitely, directly, yeah. novelty music. In no, fact, this song is so novelty music, novel. it's built on other novelty music. Oh, wow. This is Joe South. Okay. The, the song is The Purple People Eater Meets the Witch Doctor. I should say it's based on two other novelty songs. Let's give it a listen, everybody. Wow, strolling through the woods not so far from town. I heard the strangest sound I saw the purple people eater And to my surprise I saw the witch doctor sitting by his side Whoa, the witch doctor had a guitar in his hand They were bopping and a-rocking with a two-piece band Well, the purple was a-blowing like a people eater should The witch doctor picked like a Johnny B. Good They went a... When the people eater said The girls keep a laughing at the horn in my head Then the witch doctor smiled and I heard him say Yeah man, you're ugly but you sure can play Well there in the moonlight 
strange While he played a little chorus of a home on the range They were coming in strong like a rock and roll star With the craziest beat this side of Mars They went a... The way they jumped it, they were having a ball They had me patting my feet and just a clap in my hand They stopped just long enough to say Crazy man Yeah, twilight time or when the sun goes down Way back up in the woods along the edge of town Yeah, the people all gather from a miles around To hear a dark and old purple with that crazy sound They went a And we're back. Mary, yes. thoughts on uh, the purple people eater meets the witch doctor? I feel like there's sort of a, an unofficial, well, not a rule, but like something that is important to remember yeah. in filmmaking. Yes. Where if you're going to make a movie that's not very good, okay. you shouldn't reference a movie that's better. Okay. Because then people will just say, I yeah. should just watch that better movie instead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The problem with uh, Birdemic is? is that it's a ripoff of the birds. Does it mention the birds in the movie? Does someone say, boy, this is surely that movie with uh, Tippi Hedren. What is that one called? The No, it's not like that. But it's like, you know, very obviously a ripoff yeah. of the birds. Okay. So while watching it, you're just like, wow, wish I could watch the birds instead. <laughs> watching this movie, which I can do. Um, the Purple yeah. People Eater is a much better song than the. Okay. What about The Witch Doctor? I don't know that song. I asked oh. the witch doctor, and he said to me. Is that ooh, ee, ooh, ooh ah, ah? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That one's also better. Sure. Um. Okay, I will agree with you, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this song is interesting because mm-hmm. it is a play on both of the songs, which I think is kind of okay. fascinating. I also don't like the chipmunk singing. Well, that's just a matter of taste, Marianne. I guess you have no taste. Well, I don't know about that. So this song was done by a musician named Joe South, who's rather well-known, Mary. Okay. At this point, he wasn't. At this point, he was a struggling young musician who was uh, recording for a company called, with the memorable name, the National Recording Corporation. With they put out this single. Yeah, who could forget that company? Oh, so many great hits. That came does out sound of... like a fake company that <laughs> someone does. would make up when they're trying to think of the name of a fake company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was real. Uh, it was a it came out in '45, backed with my fondest memories in 1958. And Joe, well, the song itself, just so you know, Mary, is a cover version mm-hmm. of a B-side mm-hmm. written by J.P. Richardson, who was known. As professionally, his nom de tune was the Big Bopper. Oh yes, I've and he had a huge hit with Chantilly Lace, which mm-hmm. started with uh, you know that whole you know him calling her up on the phone to ask her for a date and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I like. Do do do. You know, it's a real silly sure. song. But he uh, had the misfortune of dying in the plane that killed Buddy Holly and yes. Richie Valens. So, but on the B side to his big hit Chantilly Lace was this song. So he did this song first. Oh, okay. And so then uh, Joe South who was at that time working 
this is a session musician and kind of up and comer. He recorded a version of the song and it came out on, on NRC. And then he returned back to session work and became a song and working as a songwriter. So for session work, he's done some rather famous things. He uh, worked for Tommy Rowe, which you don't know, Mary, but he was a very big, big musician in the 60s. Aretha Franklin, he played for her. He uh, played on Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence, not the song itself, but on the album. He also played bass on Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. He was part of the Nashville, the crack Nashville session crew that worked on that album. For hmm. uh, Then as a songwriter, he wrote many popular songs, including Down in the Boondocks and Hush, both of those for Billy Joe Royal. I know Hush better as the Deep Purple song, but that was originally done by Billy Joe Royal. Oh, okay. I know it better as the movie by Mike Flanagan. Okay. That has the song Hush in it. Hush. And then he had a huge, massive hit later in the early 70s with a song called I Never Promised You a Rose Garden that was done by Lynn Anderson. It's, it's mass, like a number one hit in 16 countries, hit, size hit. Okay. But he also recorded it himself. He wrote a, a, recorded a song called Games People Play uh, Every Night and Every Day. Mm. Da, da, da. And that uh, was a big hit for him. And uh, I don't know if he enjoyed being a recording artist. Right. But he did become a inadvertently become a, a big big hit but this song was not a big hit for him it was kind of a more of a middling a middling thing that's right. remembered now as a novelty song based on two other novelty songs yeah but somehow i find that amusing okay well that's fair and historically interesting yeah and all, all right so we'll, we can now go on to episode 50 okay and we start off with a letter from regis yes so regis says hi for the hat in france we call it a bob this is a reference to the weird hat that jim o'rourke was wearing in the video or in the yeah the live performance youtube uh recording of him singing the song that we had played in the show last year. He was wearing this weird hat that was looked like a hat that you just, someone had just like taken the brim and pulled it straight down over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so it was no longer a hat as so much as like the top of a mushroom. Right. Hmm. Um, he said, oh, he continues on. And Jim O'Rourke is a nice discovery. Interesting. Yes. About loving or not a certain period of time in music or more generally for its cultural impact. I think that if you live the period, you've got memories of it rooted in your reality. You connect the music with your reality of this time, good or bad, and you remember all the cultural impact of the good ones and bad ones. If you don't live the period of the time, filter the good from the bad, so you get the, as we say here, sub-stentifique moel, then the vulgar, common, commercial stuff has been re removed for you by the time and you don't have to under... For example, I lived in the 80s with a lot of bad commercial stuff, all the keyboard, reverb, and beatbox drums. But now on YouTube comments, you see young people tell of their love for this era, like, you don't get this good stuff now. But there was a lot of interesting and good music from them, from the beautiful, simplistic talk-talk to the more complex police sting stuff, and the less interesting, which survived to become a meme like Rick Astley. Oh, now it's time for us to play that Rick Astley song so we can... So we can rickroll our listeners. We can rickroll our listeners. You should put a link. You should put a link to something and be like, "This is a link to this thing," but then actually, that you get rickrolled. <laughs> we just. <laughs> um, he goes on to say that was such culture. a big meme for a while there. Rickrolling every single link you clicked on on the internet. You're like, oh. <laughs> Still, it was funny every time, though. Of course, um, especially as repetition starts to grow, it yeah, gets funnier. Exactly. Um, then he says, "My two cents." P.S. Maybe Mary was thinking of Eddie as a soldier because of the Trooper, which had a cover with Eddie as a soldier. Mm, I, I don't, don't know, because I, I was looking back at it, and I was like, he kind of does look like a soldier still. No. He doesn't? You is don't think ring, so? He's not wearing like a uniform or anything. No, I know. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> anyway. 
I think it's supposed to be like a ghoul. Okay. In France, we had the Hardos, those who listened to hard mu- hard rock music from ACDC to Bon Jovi with a touch of Kiss. They would wear patched jean jackets with no sleeves, put over a leather jacket with their most beloved group logos and visuals, or the one who looked cool, like F- like an F1 driver from hell. And on their back was a huge patch, and Eddie was a must-have, regularly as the trooper. Speaking of forgotten music of the 80s, who remembered those hard rock groups like Wasp, I Wanna Be Somebody, or Megadeth, or Slayer, the most well-known? Was it hard rock, or metal, or heavy metal? (sighs) Well, those bands are kind of different for you. Megadeth and Slayer are similar, I think, in in sound. And those guys would be more metal, for sure, like thrash metal Hmm. in the early days, for sure. Wasp, I think, fall more into the hair metal category of sort of L.A. glam, glam metal bands, like... Um, those other ones, Warrant, is that one? I don't even know Warrant. anymore. Who did those? You know, that, what's that one called? They like they sounded like they should be like a super hard band, and then you heard their music and you're like, hmm. The Zombies. Yeah, The Zombies. <laughs> that is one. That's a good example, but not not The Zombies. No, I'm thinking of, uh, who did Cherry Pie or, or Breaking the Law? Was that, no, Breaking the Law was Judas Priest, wasn't it? No, who? Oh, I can't remember the name anymore. It doesn't matter. They're not important. They're not important. But what is important, Mary, is another Halloween song. So let's give a listen to a song from, I think, from 1968. This is October Country. So keeping with my theory of playing all kinds of different music, Mary, this is some L.A. rock, some L.A. area, 68 rock from October Country. The song is My Girlfriend is a Witch. Uh, This came out on Epic Records in 1968. So let's give it a listen. And we're back, 
And what do you what do you think of that song, man? I thought it was fun. Yeah, a lot of fuzz guitar in that song. Yeah, real, enjoyable. Speedy, speedy song. Uh, once again, is it a Halloween song? Or is it just a kind of fun song from mm. the time period? It's hard to know. Yeah. I don't o- know. October Country was formed by a brother and sister. Okay. Carol and Joe DeFranza, or Joe and Carol DeFranza, to put them in the proper order of brother and sister. They put together their own backing band and signed with Epic Records in 1967. And the band were basically assigned to this guy named Michael Lloyd, who had recently left a group with a really long, unwieldy name of the uh, West Coast Pop Art Experimental Band. And so he had left them and he became a kind of producer at Columbia working with bands. And so he was given October Country and basically he like took over the band. He basically wrote and arranged the group's three singles, including My Girlfriend is a Witch, as well as all the tracks on their single album they did. Uh, the only song that was not written by him was the B-side to My Girl is My Girlfriend is a Witch, which was a song called I Just Don't Know, which was written by the keyboard player, Bob Weens. But every mm. other song he wrote, so obviously just... Just use them as a vehicle for his own ambition. But what the heck? Why not? It's a good song. Okay. Uh, am I next, Mary, in the readings? You are. All right. So Ed Dragansky wrote to us, and he says, Oh, Mr. Dedrick, what have you done now? I'm on a, ram- <laughs> I'm on a rapid spiral down the rabbit hole of Toy Town Psych. I feel I should explain exactly how I digest your podcasts every week. First off, you must know that Listening Party is essential to me. I get so much information and great music thanks to what you and Mary provide every week. Honestly, you'd hate the way I organize my mix playlist because I'm a shuffle fiend, and I just list the songs in the order that I find them, many of them coming now from your podcast. But I enjoy the, the surprise of what's coming next, so I shuffle my playlist with careless abandon. Well, I, when I listen to music on my phone, I, I listen and shuffle too. Yeah, Because I, like, I do like the surprise of, particularly with if I've like, stacked a bunch of albums that i kind of know but not super well mm, yeah you totally. know that i've listened to really quickly like, oh okay like i didn't notice this song before. yeah yeah because yeah often a song in different contexts yeah yeah and sometimes it can get kind of like forgotten within mm. the album yeah you know like because yeah overlooked yeah yeah overlooked especially if it's like a really good album mm-hmm. then you're like maybe paying attention to other songs on it and mm-hmm. then yeah when, once you hear it in a different context it just yeah. changes it for you a good example of that would be like man of steel from Illinois. Like, if you listen to the album, it kind of, to me, it, the, the second side kind of fades a little bit because the first side's mm-hmm. so yeah. strong. But if you listen to them just as they come up in a, in a mix, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is a good song. I, oh, think, I think, I, I kind of feel that way, honestly, about a lot of the songs from Illinois, mm. where I'm like, whoa, like, this is a really good song. <laughs> but it's just, Illinois is such, like, a visual experience yeah. because of the way that it's mixed, where mm. it sounds like it's sort of all, like, one big thing rather mm-hmm. than like individual songs do you say visual experience nope did yes yeah oh audio experience <laughs> okay, sorry okay. um <laughs> all right not a visual experience uh and yeah and so once you hear it like without that yeah like separated like jacksonville is that way too and the great wasp of the palisades like there are definitely some songs that yeah i can kind of get yeah just mm-hmm kind of bogged down in the experience of listening to illinois sure and you sort of start start, or you you miss out on them as like an individual yeah 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 so it goes on to say i think mary and i are on the same wavelength because i sought after granny takes a trip a few weeks back to have as my own now i'm looking into the move another toy town psych i have a hard time articulating exactly what makes music sound like it does and lining it up with other songs that reflect It's style. I guess I'm more of a visual learner than an audio one. Your podcast helps me through this and gives definition to music that I otherwise wouldn't have a classification for. The way I listen to a listening party compared to you and Ian on Sneaky Dragon are completely different from one another. I kind of savor and listen to you and Mary over the course of a week. 
Stopping to listen to the songs again or look up more on what you're discussing, I digest it slowly and thoughtfully, and it helps me understand music in a very measurable way I can articulate. When I listen to you and Ian on Sneaky Dragon, I'll usually do it in one go, usually while I'm puttering around the house on the weekends. Then I wait until the end to decide what I'll write you guys about last minute. I'll say last minute. Sneaky Dragon <laughs> has a more editorial style that I can casually listen to like clockwork, but Listening Party is more like a classroom podcast that I look forward to learning from. Great. That makes you feel happy. It's like listening, it's like sitting in a classroom. Listening no, to I sh- like that. That's <laughs> okay. great. All right. Because I don't like classrooms that much. I always knew, know that I'll get something from it. A new song or a definition for some form of music I never thought of, but always knew existed. What you and Mary offer is essential to me, which is why I give to Patreon. It's worth it to me. And it's worth it to us. Thank you, Ed, for giving to Patreon. Yeah, thanks, Ed. My only request is that maybe someday in the future you do a show or two on a certain style of music and give some deeper insight to it. Something like this Toy Town Psych, or the aforementioned Jangle Pop music from a few episodes ago. More about the groups who made it happen and made it great would be so much fun and so enjoyable. Well, that's something I would love to do, because all of those... Because something that Regis mentioned in his last comment, which is that over time you know, the edges are polished off of things and we kind of get in the, the whatever is considered best. It's all subjective, of course, but the quote unquote best rises to the top mm. and the remainder is forgotten about. So you end up with the kind of everyone knows these bubblegum songs yeah, or totally. you end up with everyone knows these folk rock songs. But, you know, because they were popular genres at the time and because of the nature of the music business of the time and the, and the presence of the 45 as an easy and quick thing that you could record and release. Mm-hmm. All of these genres, whether you're talking bubblegum, glam, you know, glam in the 70s, whatever, they all had a huge amount of, of releases that are, are are gone from view to us now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's fun to explore those. And I, I would love to do, uh, do that kind of stuff. And that's something I definitely would think about. Thanks for all the work as always. I know you put a lot of work into the podcast and it's appreciated. The gift of music and sharing your love of it is what makes Listening Party great. Oh, well, thank you, Ed. And I know you're going to love, then, the fact that I'm going to share this Halloween song with you. This is uh, Hans Conried and Alice Pierce, and the song is The Invisible Man. This came out in uh, 1959. Based on the book, page. Based on the movie starring that new actress. That's Elizabeth all, Moss. That's in all the movies. I love Elizabeth Moss. She's very good, but she's 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 riding the wave right now, like every other every other actress before her. Like, why does every movie have Renee Zellweger in it? <laughs> why doesn't any movies have Renee Zellweger in them? That's weird. That's how it goes. But anyway, let's listen to The Invisible Man, and we will silently mourn Renee Zellweger's career. Although she got nominated for Judy. Oh, did she? Judy Garland. I have no opinion on... Hmm. Really? What about that one about the diary, Bridget Jones' diary? That was her. How about Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise? Hmm. All right, let's listen to The Invisible Man, and I will turn invisible. Okay. called me on the phone They wonder why they always see me dining out alone I find it very difficult to make them understand That I've been going steady with the invisible man (laughs) Stop tickling! Now when he takes me dancing we make a silly pair To all intents and purposes I'm dancing with the air But all that I've been doing since 
as this strange begin began is dancing cheek to nothing with the invisible man my mother and my father are getting quite upset they wonder when they'll meet my fiance now how can i tell them that they've already met the boy they never see me with the one here on my knee <laughs> later while necking in the movies the people pass us by and look upon our actions with the most suspicious eye i'm holding hands with nothing and i guess it's quite a sight there's just a bag of popcorn on the seat to my right i really can't describe him and yet i know he's sweet he's kind of short Tall or thin or wide? Honest, honey, you're cute. Yeah. We sure look peculiar when walking down the street. Just me alone with him, together, sorta side by side. Oh, come on, honey, join in. Yeah. Now, after we are married. We'll raise a family, not so loud. We'll have a dozen children, and some we hope to see. He'll be a faithful husband, for no other woman can ever see what I see in my invisible man. So do uh, I have to come back then? Because you have to do the one. Yeah, we have to talk now. Well, I think I can still talk. I'm just invisible. You can't see me anymore, you right, man? You can't talk in the song. It's just some papers floating in front of your face. You can't face. talk in the song. No, I know. It's weird, isn't it? It's, Hans Conrad is, is credited in the song. But the reason he's credited... He wrote it? No, because the album that this is taken from, which is called Monster Rally, okay. features both Alice Pierce and Hans Conrad on different songs. Okay. But this the song I chose... Was the Alice Pierce one, but for okay. whatever reason, all of the songs are credited to both of them, even if one isn't on the song. Well, that's kind of like how Sloan does it. Yeah, so they didn't equal writing. But credits. they didn't write the songs; they're just like two actors who were hired to to do the album. Yeah, but it was probably like a financial, like in case one of the songs got popular. Oh yeah, then it, it could be. be um, it could be. Both both of them got the money for it because they did to it. Sure. So, um, Hans Conried, Mary, you probably would know best. Wait. Yep. You didn't ask me if I like it. Oh, sorry. What do you think of the song? I like it. <laughs> You thought it was fun? Yeah, it was a fun song. Yeah. I, I was like laughing out loud at parts. <laughs> Why? I also, well, it's just like such a funny concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I also really like it when she says, fiancé. <laughs> when she calls him her fiancé. Yeah. I, that was, I don't know why that was so funny. I had to read it down. I guess that's that sort of American thing of, of anglicizing uh, French words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I always want to call that, we were talking about him, that Tommy Peltier. Mm. Well, I insist on calling Tommy, uh -huh. Tommy Peltier. It's probably like Pelter. Yeah, something Pelter or something like that. You know, yeah. it's like they just like removed all trace of its of its yeah. origins. But uh, yeah, fiance. You know, it's surprising they don't call it uh, Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana. Yeah, that's one word that's. But Saint Saint Louis has lost all. all yeah. you know, there's a lot of places that in the states, a lot of, in the north that are, have French names that have been uh, just kind of turned English, which yep. is fine. I mean, you got to make it understandable. Yeah, you have to make it palatable. They did in England too. They took a French French names and mm -hmm. made them into English mm -hmm. names. Like Britain. 
Britain, but I was thinking of a town like Shotover. Oh, okay. Which you think, was it named because of a cannonball went over the town? No, it was once a castle that was green, Chateau Vert, and it became Shotover. Just things like that. Yeah. So Hans Conried, Mary, you would know, because he was the voice of Captain Hook in Peter Pan, the Walt oh, Disney film. Ooh, I've seen that movie. Yes, a he was a times. very, very good voice actor. He did a lot of Rocky and Bullwinkle as well. Cool. And, and uh, was featured on there with as well as the, um, what's that other show called? Dudley Do Right. He did stuff. Mm, yeah. And uh, he was also in the Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T, which is the only Doctor Seuss ma- movie that was made with doc- that was written by Doctor Seuss. Oh, really? And Alice Pierce is kind of is sort of interesting. She's uh, the only performer from the stage version of On the Town that was brought to Hollywood to perform in the film version. Gene Kelly brought her from the Broadway cast to do the film. Everyone else in the movie. Was were Hollywood actors who were hired for it, but she was like irreplaceable in her role in the movie. Hmm. And then she's probably most famous now for her role as the nosy neighbor Gladys Kravitz in the TV sitcom Bewitched. Oh, okay. A role okay. she performed up to her death from ovarian cancer. Oh. Yeah, she's only in the show for I think for two seasons, and then she sadly passed away. In fact, she had it when she was cast in the show, but that she didn't tell the people that she did. Yeah. I guess she wanted the job so much. Well, yeah. Why would you give that away? Oh, Mare. Okay, Mare. Okay. So uh, you got you got a letter to read. Her. Okay. Um. So Chris, this, whoop, this is another letter from Chris Roberts. He says, yay, episode 50. Just four more and you'll have done a full bye year. Yes. Uh, that was a great discussion off the top, ranging from dinosaurs to First Nations to Bible studies to evolution. And I probably forgot a couple of topics. It's always fun to hear two hosts who actually listen to each other. And when the two are daughter and dad, it speaks so well to the strength of your relationship. Thanks, Chris. Sorry, Mary, I wasn't listening. What, what, was, what were you saying? Oh, uh, so to the songs. Freddie Scott, I'm with Mary here. It was okay. I did snigger childishly at Freddie repeatedly yelling, I'm coming. Maybe if they'd only done 99 takes, they could have used the extra time to come up with a better lyric, baby. Uh, Mike Watt, yes. Fantastic track and fascinating backstory from Dave, with the additional delight of a gratuitously mean Mark Lanigan impression. I think you mean a a, a fascinatingly accurate accurate Mm. Mark Lanigan Mm. impersonation. Okay. The Minutemen documentary was enlightening and moving in lots of ways. Yeah, it is a very good documentary. Meat Puppets. What a wonderful song and performance. Also, I think the production is excellent. Sure, it's rough and even out of tune in places, but that's part of what's great. Can totally hear the connection Mary made with Beck, though it hadn't occurred to me before. Yeah, no, I thought that was a very good connection that I had had not thought of. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Jim O'Rourke. Not familiar with his work, but I liked this one a lot. Kind of a missing link between Frank Zappa and Cat Stevens. (laughs) Thanks for the video, too. Cool. Kate Laban. This brought a huge smile to my face. It had a twisted nursery rhyme quality that hooked me from the start, and I loved the instrumentation. More weird shit, please. <laughs> Leo Sayre. Yeah, he's the epitome of uncool, all right. But this is a fine song, and he sings the hell out of it. Brilliant playing from the band, too. Well, that's it. When you hear a song that's good, you, ca- you have to like, you have to resist the urge to judge yourself for liking it, you know? Like, you can't go... Oh, totally. I think lots of people do that. Like, they'll hear a song yes. that they like, but they cannot bring themselves to like it mm-hmm. because it would be uncool for them to like that song. Yeah. I've seen teenage girls do that. Like, actively not like things. Yes. Just out of... Not talking about you, Mary. No. But out of, like, friends that you've Principal, had. Principal, yes. Well, like, I had... One friend over um, for a sleepover, and I tried to show her a Marx Brothers movie. I think it was and Monkey it was, Business, your favorite film. And it was 
um, black and white, and so she refused to even try to watch it. She just turned over and went to sleep. Yeah. Kind of rude. I was like, what a weird reaction to have. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that that's something that sort of everyone has to get past, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, I think it is, yeah, hard. It hard it's hard to do, right? Especially if you have sort of... An idea of like who you think you are. If you're heavily invested in the, and if you're, if you're heavily invested in other people's opinion of you, mm-hmm. you uh, have a hard time. Yeah. Having your own opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Like one one thing that I I've always found um, interesting uh, <gasps> about another podcast host. Oh. About Griffin McElroy of the McElroy oh, Brothers. Oh. Thought you can talk about Ian Boothby. Um, he is a really big fan of Carly Rae Jepsen. Mm-hmm. And like, just like, doesn't care what other people think about okay. it. He loves Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. He's like, here in concert. Really talented. He like owns all of her CDs. He's like, I don't care if people think that she's like, you know, like a pop star. And that's yeah. like, well, not, she's a like, pop star. But yeah, that's fine. but if she's like, and that's like not cool music to like, yeah, because it's on the radio or whatever. Like, he likes her, and that's fine with him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I like her too. So. I know you do. Um. Uh. I, mean, I know, but oh, no one's sorry. no one's gonna be like, oh, I can't believe David likes like all music, not all music, but you have such a vast musical yeah. enjoyment. You yeah, know? I guess, I guess that's true. It'd be like, whoa, I can't believe Dad like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, Maybe the next song, <laughs> Iron Maiden. Wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> love that you love it, Dave, but it ain't for me. Probably a band you had to hear it as a youth to get on board. The music was okay, but I found the lyrics pretty obnoxious. What a song about someone murdering people was obnoxious. <laughs> Well, that's right up. That's right up a teenager's alley. I gotta yeah. say. I think he's right about that teen thing. Well, like I said about the song, mm. it's a song that I like. Yeah. But I think I only like it because I heard it when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like I think that if I heard it for the first time now, I would not like it. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I think you know, um, it's it's uh, it's hard to let me. What I'm trying to say here, like with with uh, Iron Maiden, you know, I like that specific time. Like I. I stopped listening to them after Number of the Beast. Like I just did not like Peace of Mind. I think the next one was after after Number of the Beast. And I just like you know I just moved on with my my musical interests. But I still like these albums. I you know just because I I get older doesn't mean that I'm gonna like I stop liking stuff that I liked when I was a teenager. You know. Yeah, and also not liking where an artist goes with their musical career doesn't mean that you don't like parts of it. Yeah, that's right. Like right. Yeah, like Sofan Stevens. I'm not a fan of Age of Odds. That's fine. I like it better when I saw it live. Since having seen it live, yeah. I pref- I appreciate it more. That's fair. But it's not a celeb. I don't not really a fan of synthesizers and mm. stuff in music. I prefer yeah. I prefer a more organic sound in music. Yeah, that's okay. There- I think a lot of people feel the same way. And so I'm perfectly willing to let him, you know, follow his muse wherever it leads him. Yeah. I just. You know, I'll still support him, but yeah, you're gonna prefer his Carrie Lowell. I'm gonna prefer Illinois, yeah, exactly. Seven Swans style sound yeah. to his yeah. Enjoy Your Rabbit, Age of Odds, The Ascension, yeah, exactly. Style sound, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm totally fine with that. But it does. I think I've talked about this before. It does drive me crazy when people say when a Carrie Lowell came out, and people were saying like, "Oh, I'm so glad he's returned." <laughs> Um, excuse me, I need you to look up Enjoy Your Rabbit, because <laughs> Age of Odds is his roots. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not his roots. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I really like the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. I didn't like that very much. Because it's more of a symphonic work. Yeah. And I, and I like that kind of music a lot. Like, yeah. I like modern classical music. And I so. didn't really like it because I don't like instrumentals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did like, there was, I think, a bonus track from that. Yeah. The Sleeping Red Wolves? No. I don't think that's from there. No, it's not. I think I, I think we did this before. I still can't remember what that song's called. It's really good. It's some sort of animal thing. Um, we'll but, figure it out one day, Mary. Yeah, we'll figure it out one day. 
Or I could just check at some time, but I'll forget <laughs> it in this room. Um. Anyway, back to our letter here. Uh, Morrissey said, or he said, Morrissey, another song that was new to me. A nice reminder of what an innovative, distinctive singer and performer Mr. M can. Yes, before you get tired. Yeah. I think, that, I think it happens to most, most yeah. artists. Yeah. Um, Fleet Foxes. I feel a bit guilty writing this as you love this band so much. However, Fleet Foxes are one of those groups I feel I'm supposed to like more than I actually do. Mykonos has plenty of qualities that usually get me going. Strong melody, tight harmonies, acoustic instruments, big finish, and yet they just don't move. Sorry, guys. That's That's okay. okay. That's okay, Chris. It happens. Yeah. Can't like, we're not expecting you to like everything. That's right. This isn't a job. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The move. On first listen, this sounded a bit of a mess, but second time through, its delightful silliness completely won me over, all the way to the She Loves You closing chord. Fab gear. Yeah, I forgot to mention that during the show. Uh, sometimes I forget to mention the music just when because we, we kind of get into the history of stuff yeah. more, and then the music kind of falls away. But yeah, that's a great great use of that, that uh, closing chord. Intentional, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, we've got Beck, Sunshine Grunge. Perfect description, Mr. D. Interesting TM. That I think has... he means trademark. I think he's bothering me because of my over, perhaps overuse of the word interesting. But in my defense, there are very few words to describe things that are interesting right. other than the word interesting, which was designed to describe interesting things. It's very true. Um, that it had so much in common musically with the Meat Puppets and yet was almost the opposite in terms of its intricate production. Thrilling and slightly crazy. Another fine closer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Dad, maybe you should start using the word fascinating. Fascinating is different than interesting, I think. Because fascinating is about being enthralled to something, whereas interesting is, you know, like a fact is interesting. Can right. a fact be fascinating? Could be, depending it, on how good it is. I think you're overselling it. I'm not sure. I'm, maybe I'm underselling the word fascinating. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> I, I just feel like, yeah, something is, when something's interesting, I just want to point it out. You know, that's kind of the point of the show is things that are interesting. So... Maybe we should change the name of the show to think. Sounds perfect. Right, right at episode 53. Yeah. Let's change the name of the sure, show. Sure, why not? Lose everyone. Uh, all right. Let's go. Let's go to a Halloween song. This is uh, Bill Buchanan, and the song is Beware. What about intriguing? Intriguing? Yeah. Uh, I'll think about it. I looked up. Um, How about mesmerizing? Mesmerizing, I think. Here's is... a mesmerizing fact for all of you. Right. What about provocative? Seems a little o- over the top. I, I looked up synonyms for interesting the source. Oh, okay, know. okay. Things are a little off. Yeah. Attractive, beautiful, lovely. Yeah. Because you're not. Let's check out this beautiful fact about music. Things <laughs> <laughs> are overselling this stuff. <laughs> Refreshing, striking, hey, fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Bill Buchanan? Oh, yes. Let's give it a listen. This is Bill Buchanan with Beware. If you don't believe in vampires, turn up the radio. Somewhere in this town right now is one that you might know. He looks and acts like a teenage boy. He even goes to school. Have you ever thought your boyfriend might be a teenage ghoul? You can 
Pennsylvania, four, five, seven, eight, nine. When your boyfriend takes you out at night, what does he like to do? Go to dark and scary places, or see a monster show or two? Does he seem to like the moonlight? Does he kiss you on the neck? Why does he say you're his forever? You'd better check your neck. Pennsylvania, four, five, seven, eight, nine. I now catch soon, catch you up, need to move, if you don't remember to be where. Perhaps you're sitting home alone. Then where is he tonight? Is he really where he said he'd be? Or taking his midnight flight? Now I don't want to frighten you, but look behind your chair. You must have left the window open. Something's moving over there. He's coming closer. Can you reach the telephone in time? What's that? You say someone cut the line? Tune in later when you're alone. The scream you hear may be your own. And another guy with a Boris Karloff impersonation. Hmm, yeah, true. What do you think of Beware, Mary? Wait, have we had one or do we just talk about... Oh, yeah, I guess we talked about Bobby yeah, Boris Pickett like having a... play Monster Mash. Yeah. Because we don't need to. We don't need to. It's the Beatles of, um, <laughs> of Halloween novelty songs. It's not even the Beatles. It's like, oh, if I could think of something there where there's only one thing of that thing, you know, like... Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's so... It's so... It's so, like, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. There's nothing else that exists mm. but it, you know? But it's hard to think of what that might be. But so what do you think of what do you think of Mr. Buchanan's silly silly song? Fun. Yeah. But but um not very realistic because <laughs> let's be real, yeah. if my boyfriend was a vampire, yeah. I would find out pretty quickly because I eat a lot of garlic. Oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't take that into account, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that was a time when people didn't eat that much garlic. Maybe. It was more of an ethnic food. Yes, so. So Buchan Bill Buchanan seems to have based his career entirely on novelty songs. And he first came to prominence in 1956 when he started a record label called Looniverse Records with a, with a DJ whose name was Dickie Goodman. And they b- began releasing collage records. And Mary, collage records were records that would tell a story and use snippets of popular music from the time to illustrate parts of the song. So this first one they did was called The Flying Saucer. That's the song one that came out in 1956. When when I was a young lad, a record came out, a f- single came out called Mr. Jaws. And it was actually Dickie Goodman, the same Dickie Goodman who's worked with Bill Buchanan, who did it. And the idea of the song is he's interviewing the shark from Jaws. And then he's incorporating hit songs from the time period. Okay. So, you know, it's like, you know, Mr. Jaws, Mr. Jaws, people think that you're, uh, people have a lot of bad things to say about you. What do you have to say about that? How does it make you feel? And then it quotes from uh, t- 10CC's I'm Not In Love with the Big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Well, Mr. Jaws, a lot of people want you know want to get rid of you. They want to kill you. What do you think of that? You know, and then quotes from Wars. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Just right. like that, right? So, right, right, right. 
And I don't even know if they cleared the use of the songs and it just or just threw them onto the forty five. Well, I don't know who would not clear the use of their songs before <laughs> publishing them on some sort of forum that was available for to access and listen to. Seems very irresponsible. It does seem irresponsible and possibly illegal. And yet let's not talk about it too much. Yeah. Let's don't promote you. let's no no promote all you want, but let's <laughs> let's just pretend to complete ignorance of any of these rules. Because you it's know a review show. You know that everyone knows that ignorance is uh, nine-tenths of the law. Right. It's a review show. Yeah, that's right. We're reviewing these songs. Yeah. They all stink. Um, so yeah, he and Goodman released nine novel- nine novelty songs before ending their partnership in 1959. And then he kind of be- went into more regular songwriting. He worked with Howard Greenfield, who's best right. known for working with Neil Sedaka, and then returned in, in uh, 1962 with Beware, using his Boris Karloff voice. So there you go. Not bad. Not bad song. And I have a shortish letter to read. This one is from Todd. And Todd, we were talking about time on the show, and Todd wrote to say, apparently it's the Babylonians who are responsible for us using base 60 for measuring time. The Babylonian numeric system used base 60 for everything. But because they were the best astronomers in the ancient world, other cultures adapted their methods for measuring hours and angles and whatnot. And that's why it remained the same in those specific areas to this day. Or something like that, if I remember correctly. Well, that's interesting. That explains why angles are at yeah, 360 I, I degrees not, to an. I didn't also. I didn't consider that angles are also not base ten mm-hmm. or base one hundred. Yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Or base ten. Um, but yeah, that's really fascinating. It thank is. you for that. Yeah, thank you, Todd. Cool. Babylon is pretty cool. <laughs> I think. I think Mesopotamia in general. Mesopotamia and cool is pretty. You're going to give Mesopotamia high marks for coolness. Yeah, I'd say so. Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty good of you, Mary. All right, so. Um, do we have a song, or are we going to episode 51? Nope, we have a song. Okay. This is uh, the first of our songs performed by TV personalities who were horror hosts on television stations. This was a thing that was very po- common and popular in the late 50s, early 60s, even oh, in the really? 70s. I mean, there's a guy who still does it now. I think his name is like something- Joe Bob Briggs. Well, Joe Bob Briggs kind of does it, but no, it's more to play a, a character, though. Okay. I guess well, Joe, Joe Bob Briggs has his his. Um, he does have a character. He plays a boy, trailer park guy. Well, yeah, yeah. He has his character, but then he also has a. At least on his show on Shutter, he has a woman mm. who's playing like a character. Oh, okay, like sort of a vampirella, yeah. vampire yeah. sort of thing. Uh, yeah, the guy's name is Sven Gulli. He does Sven Gulli. He does. He introduces horror shows, and he does that. But it's more like a syndicated thing. Okay. In those days, because money was different then, mm-hmm. um, people would be local. TV host, so they'd be a local right. actress or actor who would be hired to play a, a ghoul or a vampire or whatever to introduce uh, these TV shows for, okay. for the or the, the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, but the Crypt Keeper once again is something a little but different. They would like play the Crypt. They would play that sort of character exactly, yeah. exactly. Have and so of, have a lot of puns. So this was a Portland, Oregon-based horror host whose name was Tarantula Ghoul. Okay, and her band, the Grave Diggers, and their song Graveyard Rock. And you'll listen to the song, and one thing you'll realize is that Tarantula Ghoul, while she was an actress, was not much of a singer. Mm -hmm. But I enjoy the song anyway, so let's give it a listen, everyone. This is Tarantula Ghoul and her grave diggers and graveyard rock. Tired of living, want to die? Well, here's a real good reason why. Graveyard rock. It all begins about 12 o'clock When the graves all open and we start to rock Graveyard Rock It's cool 
dig the graveyard rock. Graveyard rock. Everybody digs the graveyard rock. Every night is just like Halloween. There's rock and roll, this graveyard scene. Graveyard rock. Graveyard rock. It's the graveyard. Graveyard rock. Everybody digs the graveyard rock. And we're back, everyone. Hope that song didn't scare you too much. Tarantula Ghoul, who would pose with a boa constrictor during her show. Ooh. Scary. It's, uh, I love the thing on SCTV. They had um, Dr. Fang's House of Horrors, and they had to do lots with John Candy playing uh, playing the host of the... Oh, no, sorry. That was one. That was a different thing entirely. I'm forgetting it was Count Floyd. Floyd Robertson was the newscaster at SCTV. Okay. And uh, but he also his night job was to play Count Floyd, who would introduce movies. But the one of the things about it was the movies were always bad. They were never actually horror movies. Okay. So one was like you know it was a Ingmar Bergman film that mm-hmm. was called like Hour of the Wolf. Okay. Something of that kind of title. But and so they did like a parody of an Ingmar Bergman right. film. And then also the joke being that he was you know introducing this as a yes. scary movie and so he's trying to be like "Ooh, isn't that scary kids uh, people confused about their identity <laughs> just stuff like that pretty good pretty good jokes so uh yeah what did you think of uh, graveyard graveyard rock i thought it was fun i mean i thought it was fine yeah sorry yeah um what year did it come out 59 i think so is that after um monster mash no before what monster mash? oh is it i'm not sure actually i didn't i didn't look up the uh I thought it was. I thought it was a little later, but maybe you might be right. Oh, it probably is. Actually, it probably is late. It probably is earlier. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I don't know. It just it. They felt like similar songs. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they were. I'm sure that they were just like you know what this song is popular. Yeah. Let's make you do a popular song, and then we'll sell it on our record label, which was called Meadows Records. Uh, the 45 to the. It was actually the B side. This was a B side. The uh, the first side is a song called King Kong, which oh, actually sorry, I was wrong. It was 1962. That's what I was thinking. Because I think that's why uh, Beware came out, because he was cashing in on the on the, the Boris Karloff impersonation. Oh, okay. Bill Buchanan was cashing in. 
Did we mention that the song is by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers? <laughs> yes, that's good. But isn't that interesting that it's very similar to the Gravediggers? So you kind of wonder who's who's. Oh yeah. And John and I think John Zacherly, I think that was his name, was doing Dinner with Drac before um, before uh, Bobby Boris Pickett was doing the Monster. Well, yeah, Mash. I mean a fair amount of our the, the Monster Mash is a really good song though. So sorry. The Monster Mash is a really good song though. Like it's you know it's yeah it's good yeah I mean. A fair amount of the people that we've talked about were operating, or like their songs came out in the late 50s, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's not like he was like the first person to do it, and that's why no. his song is yeah, yeah. the most well-known. Yeah, no. No, I think it was a, I think people at that time, because of because of teen culture, and horror movies were part of teen culture. Yep. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't really exist to the degree they existed in the 50s, to the, to the extent they existed in the 50s because of drive-ins and places like that. They gave this new market that was strictly directed towards teenagers who wanted thrills and spills. Yep. And so this, this sort of market grew up. And part of that, you know, so then you hear in the rock and rockabilly of that time, there's a lot of songs that are, that use kind of, you know, macabre or dark elements in the songs. And then in doo-wop is the same. And that's part of, partly because the performers were teenagers as well. So they were a part of that culture, and so they were exploring it. And so that's, you know, we, horror movies, for whatever reason, have kind of receded again. I mean, they're still popular, but I don't feel like they're culturally, uh, you know, they don't have like a big cultural presence, you know what I mean? Horror movies? Horror movies, yeah. Hmm. I would disagree. Like, it's hard to think of like a movie like The Exorcist coming out again and being like such a huge sensation yeah. where people were fainting. Oh, well, not where people are fainting. People were like vomiting like... in the aisles and things like that because the movie was just so terrifying to them. Oh, well, no, but that's just because people have already seen all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, just, I mean, you can make a movie as great as Hereditary now, which I think is a really great film. I just don't, but it, it you know, people are interested in it, but it's not like a sensation. Well, what do you, are you, what do you define sensation as? Like something that's a talking point. And I don't think the movie It is a talking point either. I think it is for teens. I kind of mean like people are, like there's a big culture that's grown up yes. around It? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. totally. Well, that's cool. That's cu- it's curious that that happened then, because it's not a great movie. But no, it's not. That's interesting. But teens have not great taste all the time, famously. <laughs> or something like, and I think that movie will fade and people will stop being interested in it. Although it was on someone's list a little while ago, and I was like, really? Yeah. And that explains why, because people are, yeah. Yeah, big into it. Well, I think they're big into themselves. And that movie's an lo- awful lot about teenagers and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Teens love things with teens. Yeah. They yeah. love things with that kid from Stranger Things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The 80s. <laughs> all that stuff. Which is probably why It Part 2 didn't do as well. Because they're grown-ups. Also, it's not a very good movie. Well, yeah, that too, but also they're grown-ups in the second part, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So teens aren't as interested because they can't see themselves as much. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was, um, I used to nanny for a family mm-hmm. that had a, one of their kids was a five-year-old girl, and she watched a lot of YouTube videos that were literally just kids hanging out. <laughs> like, little kids, like, hanging out or, like, doing things, like, playing with toys. And I was like, why do you like these? Like, I was watching it with her, and I was like, there's no story. Like, why do you like this? And she was like, because I'm like that kid. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I guess if you're like, you know. A narcissist. Well, not a narcissist, but like, if you're watching like animated stuff. Yeah. Or whatever, like, maybe you can't see yourself in that as much. Mm -hmm. And especially if you don't have like a very good, maybe, idea of yourself, or like, you're not very confident, or like, there's like, maybe like a lot going on in your home life, and you feel like you're not really um not like the center of attention but it feels like everything that's happening like you're kind of like the the smallest part of everyone's world hmm. around you mm-hmm. you know well, i guess it's i guess it's comforting it's also kind of lazy to sitting watching someone else play oh totally yeah no like i don't agree with it but i i understand it yeah yeah huh 
Interesting. Yeah. I also there's also like a terrifying moment with that kid when she was um just sitting and like facing the wall and she was like talk like just playing with by herself but yeah. she was talking and she was like hi everyone how's it going and she was like talking yeah like playing like she was into youtube video yeah yeah these kids watch youtube <laughs> <laughs> remember to like and subscribe yeah leave a comment what do you think about what we talked about uh, today they Does can't that... like and subscribe because you're not allowed to do that on kids youtube videos oh, okay. they had to disable that because people were being creepy oh okay okay yep well, the whole thing's creepy anyway. It is. You can't take out the creep factor from all that True. stuff. True. <laughs> all right, Mary. If you're a child, you should not be making $8 million a year or whatever Ryan makes. YouTube. Hmm. He's that kid who unboxes toys and stuff. Hmm. It's terrible. Terrible. All right. Episode 51. Me? Yeah. Um, this is another one from Ed. Thanks, Ed. Um, so he says, on the subject of lyrics, I guess I'm on the fence a bit, but I have to agree with you, David. Woo! I, too, will be hooked first by the music. If I like what I hear, then leaning closer to understand the lyrics. I don't think Dad does that second part, though. <laughs> I sing along with the song. I just don't remember the lyrics. So, concerning the Beatles, first off, I have a magazine somewhere that kind of outlines what each of their songs is about. Whether the lyrics are nonsense or not, it still gives whatever context to each song as well as it can. My first Beatles album was the White Album, so you can imagine what I thought of some of the, th the songs and what they meant. Wasn't Sexy Sadie all about how the Beatles had some sort of regret from hanging out with Maharishi Mahashi Yogi? I also had originally. The, I've also had the feeling that Lennon was more lyric centric in about his songwriting, and McCartney was in it just to write some happy tunes. Isn't that what "Silly Love Songs" by Wings is aimed at? Kind of a jab at Lennon for taking himself too seriously. When lyrics have this kind of meaning, meaning I'm intrigued by them. I'm sure you covered much of this on Completely Beatles, which I haven't listened to yet. <gasps> I have to wait until I get my Beatles inspiration, which hits me every three years or so. I can get burned out on them. I think that's fair. That's understandable. They're pretty uh, everywhere. Well, to be... If you're into music. To be honest, after doing Completely Beatles, I did go through like a... A no a Beatles, a no Beatles phase for a while, or is this kind of like a, the opposite of a relapse? Off of a relapse, I went through a delapse, <laughs> an unlapse, an unlapse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. Like a song like Glass Onion on White Album, which is intentionally wait, written. Wait, wait. Hold on, hmm? I think it's just lapse. A lapse. Hmm. Anyway, Thank. sorry. That's that's fine. That's fine, Mary. I'm glad you interrupted me for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say the song Glass Onion on on White Album is intentionally was intentionally written by John Lennon to obfuscate. Uh, Beatles element, like elements of the Beatles past, the Beatles history for, for listeners who like to pour over the songs and trying to figure things out, you know, so it misidentifies people and, and gives uh, new sort of, it sort of breaks, it sort of, it kind of creates or breaks down the, the myth of the Beatles, which John Lennon was particularly uh, pleased about writing that song. I remember there's a great, I think I mentioned it before, but there's a great interview with John Lennon coming off of the White Album and Rolling Stone magazine in, in, uh, in the time, in the late 60s. And uh, it's fascinating to read because he is so excited about the album mm -hmm. and he's so like thrilled about everything on it. You don't get any sense of like that he, he was mad at Paul McCartney over Obladi Oblada and stuff like that, which I don't think like Ian said something interesting on the show the, the other day, which was um, he's talking about the Karate Kid 3. There's just in, in the scene in the movie where his friend, this, this girl is who's his friend, mm -hmm. she's mad at him and he's like, oh, now you hate me. And she's like, I don't hate you. I'm mad at you. You know, I'll get over it. But it doesn't mean I hate you. I'm just mad at you right now. Right. And I, you know, I think people kind of, we kind of over, we overestimate the, the, the quote unquote anger of John Lennon mm. over like, oblidio oh, oh, blada. Like, sure. He got tired of having to perform the song 
20 times in a row because Paul McCartney is such a perfectionist. Right. You can understand why he got frustrated. But that doesn't mean he hated the song or was even mad at Paul McCartney. He's just like, you know, his patience wore out. Yeah. And he wanted to move on. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a lifelong gr- grudge match between yeah. two people over that, you know. But anyway, go on, Mary. I'm also intrigued by the lyrics of Elton John's music. Well, Bernie Taupin, actually. The nonsensical meaning, or lack thereof, has always drawn me into Sir Elton's music. I'm not sure how to explain it, but I found myself looking the lyrics up, even after years of hearing them. I guess I like his work just enough to look into it for more. Be- well, I think, and that's, I think personally that that's one of the, the dangers of lyrics is over, in over-ranking lyrics, is that lyrics are more about the feeling in the song, and they're about conveying, like, with the music, a sense of the song. Right. I mean, there are story songs and things like that that have a story to tell, like Timothy by the Buoys. Yeah. But most songs, you know, like, there's just periods of the song where, like, all meaning, all comprehension breaks down. Not necessarily. And it just becomes, Not like, a, becomes a word salad, you Not know? Not every song. I said most songs. Okay. I did I did say that there are story songs and things like that where it's yeah. important. But, but there's many songs where it just, there's just parts in it that make no sense. Or, right. Or they just make sense to the, the, the lyricist because... Sure. You know, he's writing, but the sense, most of the sense they have, you are importing into the song. Well, no, not necessarily if you're looking behind it. Like, what do you, give me an example of what you're thinking. Well, like, if you're researching, like, why did, the, why did Bernie Taupin, for example, write these lyrics? Mm-hmm. Like, what was his idea behind it? Well, yeah, but what his idea behind it and what the listeners taking from it are two different things. And they don't matter to each other. No, sure. You can be but you interested. You can say that in... about any piece of media. Sure. You can say that about a TV show, too. Yeah, yeah, right? and I do. But you, but that's what I mean by lyrics, right? Is like what, you know, like they're just there. Most cases, they're just there to, to you know, add some color to the song. Sometimes they're very deep. I'm not, I don't want to take they that away from to, people. They don't have to be um, deep to be interesting, though. No. Like they can be, they, and like lyrics don't exist, don't have to exist outside of the music. Yeah. Right. But like you can look into them, like you can look into, like, oh, who is the ses- session musician mm-hmm. on this? And look into that and be like, who played this exact thing? Sure. And why they do it like that? And why did this specific saxophone thing get played by Raphael Ravenscroft <laughs> or whatever? And look into that. But looking into one specific part of a song doesn't take away from the rest of it. No. I'm not saying that. But I will I will say that almost you're every- you're saying it's bad to look into the lyrics. No, I'm not saying that at all. You said this is the problem with looking with the lyrics, though. You said this is the problem with it or the danger of it or whatever. <laughs> Well, I didn't. Okay. Well, I just. I, what I meant was a problem of over over analyzing and overestimating the importance of lyrics and music, which okay. people do. Yeah. You know, and I think people do it to the point where they, the music is meaningless to them, and they're just concerned about the. I think the, that that's, the words. I think the people who do that are few and far between. Uh, not my straw man. My straw man is very pop pop populist. <laughs> There's many of these straw men walking around yeah, all over the world. This is the biggest straw man I've seen since I watched The Wicker Man. <laughs> Stole that from the flop house. <laughs> <laughs> this, this straw man is so big; it has a has a constable inside it. <laughs> Spoilers for The Wicker Man. Oh. Sorry. Sorry if you haven't seen The Wicker Man yet. That movie from 1970. (laughs) Sorry to spoil it. Although I saw it without knowing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And it really, really like hit hit me watching that movie. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. Like if you don't know that movie and you watch it, like it's unexpected. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I knew about it because the Nick Cage one kind of ruined it. Also, we watched the Nick Cage first. (laughs) Ridiculous. Bad move. All right. Let's not get too into... I just want to say one thing, though, is that even lyrics that you love by a group... You'll be reading them, and there'll be some point in the song where it's just like, it's just like two two lines that, that together, and you're just like, 
I don't even know what they're doing here. Like, what are these? Right. What does this but, line I mean, mean? The the thing about lyrics, as opposed to poetry or any kind of other storytelling, yeah. is that they're based around the music. Exactly. Right. But that doesn't exactly. mean that they're bad or meaningless. No, I'm not saying that. I just don't think that. I, I just I always come back to that person who told me that they would not listen to a record. I know, it's... but that's one person. I know, Mary, the, but all it, the it, millions of people it, on the planet. It can't just be one person who thinks that way, though. It's pretty nuts thing to do. <laughs> Sorry I guess if she so. listens to the show. I guess I doubt she does. I doubt she does. But I I think that um I think that uh yeah I mean maybe maybe that's t- totally rare maybe I've just overreacted ever since hearing that which because it irked me so much. I think you have. It just irked me so much to hear that. It's just like, what kind of way is that to listen to music? We're listening to music. Yeah, just read some poetry. It's called rock and roll music, not called rock and roll words. Not called rock and writing. I take those old records off the shelf. I sit and write in books by myself. (laughs) I copy down the lyrics on the page. Just give me those good old rock and roll words. Same. Okay, moving on, moving on. From this contentious issue. Having said that, when I was a kid, I got a book, a songbook of Elvis Costello's out of the library and took it home and copied out by hand all the lyrics to four albums worth of songs. Yeah, so. you would also, when you were um, listening to, a, when you got a new record, you would lie down with the liner notes and you would read all of them. Yeah, but I also read how, like who produced it and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. It was all, all part of the experience. Yep. Okay, moving on. Other balladeers demand my attention with their storytelling and songs. Singers like Arlo Guthrie, James Taylor, and Jerry Rafferty, second mention. Jerry Rafferty. Who I grew up with. Sweet Dreams and Flying Machines on the Ground by Taylor and Fire and Rain seems like a very powerful lyric burned into my conscience. And for the life of, I can't quote any more of the song. (laughs) I guess my visual artist brain wants to visualize what that might look like or even mean. Is it a plane crash? These kinds of questions come to mind for me, but only after I found myself enjoying the music first and dove in deeper for the... I hope this makes sense. I'm rambling. Oh, I thought that made sense. Then there's songs like Eurythmics, I Saved the World Today, that I love and listen to every word, only because I get a very cinematic visual from it. As I listen to that song, I can imagine an ending of a superhero film. Could be any one of them, where the heroes are finished saving the world and they're just spent from it. The hordes of people are cheering, cheering for them, but they're looking as if they could have done more. It's almost a somber and sad song for them, but because I have a cinematic backdrop in my mind for it, I hear every word. I also agree with Mary. I want a website that tells me every instrument played on every because I got questions, man. Agreed. <laughs> oh man, I'm so bad at recognizing instruments. Huh. I don't know why I'm bad at it. So you're bad at recognizing what instruments are being played? Yes. or oh, okay. Yeah. Well, sometimes it can be tricky. Some instruments sound very alike to each other. All instruments sound alike to each other. They don't all sound alike. Yes, they to do. Each to other. me, they do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe that's like why you like words so much. Yeah, Ooh. probably. Miss Wordy over there. Speaking of Miss Wordy over there, we're going to play an instrumental. This is uh, Little Tibia and the Fibias, Fibias uh, with their th- song The Mummy. Let's give it a listen, everybody. This is this a real band? Well, let's talk about it when we come okay. back to the other side, Mary. Okay. Let's not pry open the coffin before we've heard the song. Got a real crypt keeper over here. All right, let's hear Little Tibia and the Fibias. Oh, my God. 
Mary. Yes. What did you make? Oh, what did you make of a band that, for some reason, they didn't use the word fibula? <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, there was like a Donald Duck part to it. It's kind of weird the sound the mummy makes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of sound effects on this mix. Yeah. Like I expected, like chains rattling. You know. Yeah. Ooh, that kind of sound. <laughs> yeah. You know. But we got more than that. We got them. We got Donald Duck. We got the Chipmunks. We got Crazy Frog. Yes. Yeah. Lots. Didn't expect lots it. Of, didn't uh, see no, that coming, did you? I did not. So, Mayor, you asked the question. What do you ask the question was? Is this from a movie? N- no, I said, is this a? Is this like a real band? Is this a real band? No, it's not. This was made for a movie. Okay. It was made for a movie. There was an animated movie. This was a Rankin Bass film. Like, oh. Like it was done like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Right. So it was done with stop motion puppetoons. Okay. And it was a movie called Mad Monster Party okay. with a question mark for some reason. Mad Monster Party? Yeah. Mad Monster Party? Mad Monster Party? And it uh, came out in 1967. Now, this soundtrack didn't come out until 1998 because it was never released at the time. But some enterprising person put this out in cd so that we could hear little tibia and the fibias play the mummy uh in the movie they are a quartet of of uh, skeletons with beetle wigs playing the song and all the songs were written by regular rankin bass uh composers jules bass and maury laws and it has been rumored that the performers were either rex garvin and the mighty cravers or dyke and the blazers so when we played dyke and the great blazers on the show before they did that song we got more soul great song so I would like to think it was them, but I'm not certain. It's not not been documented. Unlike most other people who sang on, on the other songs on it are credited, but the musicians are not. And so I guess this was not credited to any particular... So there's some session musicians or people who are hired to play on the you know the time. But uh, yeah, Man Monster Party. It's a it's a weird movie. It's an animated. It was a feature film, and it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing. I'll put a link to it. You can it's all it's available in parts on YouTube, so you can watch it there, everybody. Hope you appreciate that. Uh, and I can't believe you didn't even mention that that movie has Boris Karloff in it. It does feature Boris Karloff so and, third... and Phyllis Diller. Oh, yes. yeah. And, but Boris Karloff, yes, right. It's our third Boris Karloff mentioned. But the actual yeah. Boris Karloff. Yeah. Not not someone doing an, an, inter- an impersonation yeah. of him. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I think we're at our final letter, Mary. Oh, 
Okay. So uh, this is from Chris Roberts. Well, technically we've got two more. Well, one's questions. really short. I'm just going to read them both. I'm going to I'm going to finish off the show here, and it's going to going to shut you up. What me? And, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Me. <laughs> so in our eight-hour-long episode here, is it eight hours? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, you know, every once in a while, it's fun to give a bit of sure. bit of a long show. Put some work into Good it. Time. Mary. We started this episode at like eleven. Remember when we started the show, and when it was finished, we were both at age five years. That's what it felt like. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So this letter, final letter, almost final letter. Actually, the last two letters are from Chris Roberts. That's why, and it's going to group them together because the, the final one is very short. It's almost a postscript to this one. Chris Roberts wrote to say. Please forgive the strong language, people, but oh my lanta, I think that may have been makes disaster, a disastrous attempt at comic book guy voice. Uh, what is it? He's like kind of super condescending sort of a thing. Like yeah. the best episode ever. Yeah. Kind of a voice. Him. I'm giving the song by song breakdown a pass this bye week as each comment would just be a variation of holy moly. How great was that? Chris, enough of your cussing. <laughs> Special mention, however, has to go to John Cale. Oh, would this be the John Cale song that Mary didn't like? <laughs> I have a vague memory of having heard Sylvia said long, long ago, but it absolutely floored me this time. Incredibly beautiful and moving. And Cornelius, wow. I kind of think Sylvia said is even more moving if you know the backstory to the, the, the marriage and stuff yeah. like that. I think it gives the song more resonance to me. I would agree with that. The sequencing of the mix was brilliant, and the stories behind the songs well-researched and told. Thank you. I also laughed out loud many times. Thank you. Especially the raising your daughters to be clowns bit and the airplane-like confusion over that classic Harry Nelson smash, Without You, Mary. <laughs> it's always good when jokes come back to you and you just, that reminds you of them because you forget them yourself. I completely forgot that second one. I have no recollection of it. It's gone from my brain. Wiped clean. It was good. There was I, people not might know this. It was your joke, so people that's why you People might know this, but I actually do a brain wipe at the end of every episode, so I have no recollection of anything that we talked about or any previous song we've ever listened to. That's true. It feels like it anyway. <laughs> Lyrics are super important to me, but no more than melody, harmony, rhythm, or chord structure. A good lyric can sometimes stand as a poem, but it doesn't have to, and that's not its job in the context of the song that it's a part of. Equally, words in a song can achieve wonderful effects without being literary. I mean, is Manamana a good lyric? Or Louie Louie? You bet! Manamana. Do 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 do. Manamana. Do 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 do. Manamana. Do 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 Okay, cool. Keep going. Do the next part. Do the next part of the song, Mary. Come on. Manamana. No, no, no. What? What's the next part? It's. Or doesn't he kind of do like a manamana ma 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 manamana 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 ma ma and then the the birds kind of look at him judgingly and then he yes manamana I I associate that song with Sesame Street because that's where I first saw it but it was actually performed first on the Ed Sullivan show oh was it yeah I also I associate it with with the Muppets yeah it is the Muppets but it was first performed as a Muppet piece on the Ed Sullivan show before they were Muppets on Sesame Street interesting because Muppets existed before Sesame Street uh lyrics oh sorry. I'll go down to the next. I'll go down to the next uh, block of text. I heard someone recently express the opinion that Dylan was a superior lyricist to Lennon or McCartney because he wrote "Mr. Tamarine Man" at pretty much the same time they composed "I Want to Hold Your Hand." To me, though, these are both songs that I love, and each lyric is great in its own context. To judge one as somehow better than the other is like saying chocolate tastes better than lasagna. I'm signing off now. I feel hungry for some reason. <laughs> Thanks once again to both of you for a truly fantastic episode. And then he wrote back for episode 52, and this is our final 
comment. This was the only one we've received so far. I imagine other people, hopefully other people will write about that show. But he said, yay, let's hear it for the weird shit. Another fantastic <laughs> show, folks. Every track was a gem and it was great to get the original mix, which flowed beautifully. That's right. If you want, I did include a link to a, uh, I think it was with Mega Uploads. You can go there and and you can uh, download it. I just I put it in there for you, so it's still there. If you're interested, go to the uh, show from last week. You can click on the link and uh, have the show and listen to it in its entirety with all the great, what I think are great uh, transitions between songs. I think there's some really good ones on that one. And Mare. Yes. I think it's time to play our last Halloween song. Okay, what is it? This is Dr. Shock. This is the Monster Mash. And it's not the Monster Mash. What? This is another television show host. Okay. This is Dr. Shock, who I think was a Philadelphia-based Okay. Host and the song is "Let There Be Fright." Wait, hmm? we're gonna come back and talk. Do we want to leave on this song? No, we'll come back. Oh. So here's Doctor Shock with "Let There Be Fright." chicken.
And we're back. And Mary, what did you think of Dr. Shock and his song that came out on Cougar Records? I thought it was fine. Oh, you didn't like it that much? Mm, it wasn't great. Oh, I liked it a lot. I didn't think it was 1970, like... good little bit of bubblegum kind of stuff. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't uh, dislike it. Okay. I just was like, meh. I liked it a lot. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe, do you, is it, does it hurt a song for you if it's kind of amateur sounding? I don't think so. Okay. I just wonder, like some people would react to this song and be like, it's not very professional. Yeah, I don't think that bugs me that much. Okay. Okay. But you just didn't like it that much. No. Nope. I thought it was kind of fun. I thought they put together just, a good little just song. Didn't, just didn't hit me in that right way. Didn't you know? really hit you. Hit you where it counts. Yeah, it was, Dr. Shock was a magician whose name was Joseph Zawlasnik. No, sorry, that's not right. Zawislak. Zawislak. So much easier to read in your mind than just pronounce out loud. So true. Joseph Zawislak, who hosted several different programs for a Philadelphia TV station called WPHL, including Scream In. Drive It? Yeah. And then, um, I think I wrote down the wrong, (laughs) I think it's Mad Theater. I wrote Maid Theater for some reason. Mad Theater. And then Horror Theater were the shows that he did. And... So he basically based his character on another Philadelphia horror host who we've mentioned a couple of times in this show, John Zacherly, very famous for Dinner with Drac. Yes, we've talked about John Zacherly that came a few out in, times. That came out in 59 before the Monster Mash. And uh, I guess he did the original show. It was supposed to be like a temporary show on the TV station, but it was so popular. There was like a huge petition, like a 10,000 name petition was sent to the station demanding that the show stay on the air. And they actually had a march, like a parade. Demanding that he remain on the show. Okay. And then, uh, but they decided they would soften the character. And what he did to soften his character is he introduced his own daughter, who was nine months old at the time on the show. Her name was Doreen, but he named her Bubbles. Her character was named Bubbles okay. on the show. And she basically grew up doing the show with her dad. Huh. So, yeah. Be kind of weird. Yeah. That would... But there you go. That's all of the Halloween songs, man. I, I can't say that I approve of people um, using their children as props for their own, <laughs> um, for their own fame. Yeah. Calling back to Ryan, the, the child YouTuber who makes like $8 million a year or whatever. Well, he's making $8 million a year. And because of child acting laws, that money goes into a bank account that his parents can access. But his parents are like producing the, or mm-hmm. producing it and they're also like participating in it. So yeah, no, it's horrible exploitation. Getting money from it. It's horrible exploitation. Oh, it's terrible. And he's, he's not going to be a happy child or no, have a very good not. life at all. No, not at all. But that's most child actors. Yes, which is why um, I don't think very good. Unfortunately. All right, Mare. So what did you, what overall do you think of the horror Halloween mix? I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I liked it. I'm glad. Oh, I want to. You want to? Mention. Sure. Um, Very slowly. Okay. Yes. A couple of things, songs that I think are spooky Halloween songs. Okay. One, that is a song that you know and I know. Okay. And we played before on sure. here. Yep. That I think would qualify as a spooky Halloween song. Yep. Is Every Night I Die at Miyake's. Is that a spooky Halloween song? It's kind of spooky. Okay. Um, More for the fact the guy wants to eat a uterus or whatever he wants to eat. Yeah, it's pretty spooky. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, he wants to eat the placenta, sorry. Yes. Which people you do. Mm-hmm. It's like dried and then powdered and then they eat it in like a pill. Mm. They're not like eating it like... It's a good... Does it keep you younger? Like Hollywood actors? No. I think it's supposed to have some like... It's supposed to be... Um, I think it's supposed to help you fight viruses or whatever because it has like an- like immune bo- immunity or something. I don't know. Sounds silly. Yeah. Um, another song that I wanted to mention as a good Halloween song. You know what it probably does is it keeps your poo disease free one time. Why? Because it's only in you for that long. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Another Halloween song yeah. is a Phineas and Ferb song. Okay. So it's called One Good Scare. Okay. It's from the episode, um, which is also called One Good Scare. Okay. And it's about them, uh, Phineas and Ferb create a haunted house. Oh, yeah, I remember be- that one. Because Isabella has the hiccups, and they're trying to scare her out of the hiccups. I see. 
Um, so the song is written by Chris Hedrick, Danny Jacob, who is the regular composer for Phineas and Ferb, Danny yeah. Jacob, and then Swampy Marsh and Jeff Poemeyer, the yeah. creators of Phineas and Ferb. Huh. Um, and it's a sort of gothic rock in Danny Elfman style song. Mm. They are well known for their um, pastiches. Yes, they're different, many different genres of songs, sure. from like rock songs to Irish folk ballads to yeah, just like everything. Um, so yeah, that's a good spooky song. Okay. And then lastly, um, the entire, um, soundtrack for Over the Garden Wall, the Cartoon Network miniseries. Oh, wow. I think that's scary. Spooky? It's spooky. Okay. Not all, not every song, but it's just a very good soundtrack album. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you, Mary, yeah, for that. Yeah, thank you. And if you'd like to tell people how they oh, can yes. get in touch with us, I to leave us more comments that we can perhaps comment on, on a later episode of Listening Party. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so most of these comments were taken, or all of them, yep. were taken from our website, which is sneakydragon.com. Um, and you can comment on our episode, like message boards there. And that's where we get these from. You can also send us an email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Um, on sneakydragon.com, you can also find all of our contact us information. If you would like to, you can also go to our Facebook page, Sneaky Dragon, or find us on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. Cool. That's it. Thank you, Mary. Well, Thank you. This, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this yeah, episode. It was good. It was a, I don't know if it was a break because actually it seemed like I did more work to get yeah, the show together. It was a long, it was a long, <laughs> it was a long episode too. We played more songs than we usually do. We, we did, but you know. We played like a lot more songs, than, which is probably why it was so long. No, we didn't. Well, no. I mean, it's going to add to the length, but no, it's because we read out <laughs> letters from well, shows. Well, no, I know, but we also <laughs> talked about song, a lot of songs and played I a guess. lot of songs. I guess so. All right. Well, that was, uh, but it was fun, though. I enjoyed it. Thank you for being with me on this episode. And thank you, partygoers, for joining us here in the Sneaky Dragon listening party rumpus room. Please feel free to join us here whenever you want to. We'll, we're always around. We're always available at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Or sorry, at sneakydragon.com, the website. or on various uh, podcast utilities. You can yeah. find us there. Applications. And um, there, this, that's the show. Yeah, this will be coming out uh, after Halloween. It will be. But we are recording it on Halloween. We are like the store, Mary. We are the spirit of Halloween. Yes. And so what's the last thing we want to say before the show is over is, are you ready? What? <laughs> Get you candy and apples.
then go to the next house and get some more. H A double L O W double E N spells Halloween. H A double L O W double E N. Spells 